Hello, everyone, and welcome to That Time We Woke Up in a Podcast and Had to Explain Manga, our heated adventures overanalyzing manga that we find interesting, also known as the Overmanga Cast. My name is Sam, and this week we read one of the forerunners in the hot new wave of shonen Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, by Koyaharo Gotouge. We read chapters 1 through 19, the Asakutsa arc. So take a deep breath and let's get into the episode. Experience with Demon Slayer. I feel like the majority of people on the internet, my first experience with Demon Slayer was episode 19 of the anime happened. Everyone screamed about it collectively, and I kind of glanced in the direction of the screaming, went, what the hell are they on about, and began watching the anime and joined in the screaming. Uh, I have not read the manga, but now here we are. How about you, Jake? What's your experience? I have exactly three experiences uh, cumulatively with uh, Demon Slayer. The first is that Gurenge slaps. The second is that everyone tells me that it's amazing and that I uh, should have watched it forever ago. And then I agree and then proceed to not do that because I'm terrible about managing my own time. And then the final uh, thing is the thing that I had bumped into from other people talking about Demon Slayer is whether or not the sword breathing techniques are literal or metaphorical. So I did keep an eye out for that. And when we get there, I will be able to weigh in on that. But I had basically absolutely no knowledge base. Like people had given me like brief summaries of Demon Slayer. But like if you give a like book jacket summary of Demon Slayer, it's it's like, OK, yeah, that's an anime. It doesn't really mm-hmm. sell it, you know, and I kind of knew that. So I was really looking forward to reading this because I actually experience it i can't put it off anymore and speaking of one of those people who was questioning the metaphorical or literal nature of the sword breathing techniques matt yeah i actually was keeping up with it when it came out um of the anime uh so i've finished that that is my experience with it and yeah i don't know if the manga explained it any better it's still confusing to me (laughs) (laughs) and jay so my introduction is similar to the aforementioned um pretty much everyone has recommended watching demon slayer and i finally got around to watching it and i fell in love and it was amazing and yeah this is my first read through of the manga and dive into this all right demon slayer is a very strong story and it's got an amazing start in that regard Because, holy you do not just dive headlong into a story better than having a boy trudging through a snowstorm carrying his comatose and bleeding sister on his back. And it really just sets up the entire rest of the story, honestly. I love how we get the, um, like, chapter and a half of, oh yeah, everything's fine. Well, don't worry, family, I'm going to go do errands in the village. Everyone in the village loves me. What a perfect life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we live a humble life. It's not it's not that happy, but we have what we need. And like, it's like perfect and idyllic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it kind of sets it up for his heightened senses, his heightened perception of situations. I mean, we kind of are first exposed to his heightened sense of smell. Mm hmm during these first initial chapters. So we already are exposed to the fact that main character is different. 
Oh, yeah. It, it's not to say that it's wasted time. It's just it's very obvious what it's setting up to do. And like it does it well. That's not a problem. Mm -hmm. It's just it, you know, it wears its heart on its sleeve. And so far as that we get our standard um, anime protagonist superpower of super good sense of smell. Yeah. To like an insane degree. <laughs> Our boy Tanjiro, uh, we get our first example of how ridiculous his sniffer is because he is able to absolve somebody of the crime of breaking a vase because he goes over, sniffs the pottery shards, and he's like, I smell a cat. Yep. <laughs> Which just proves how much people trust Tanjiro because he's like, eh, he said he smelled it. Yeah. And yeah, he's, it immediately clears the kid. And like, it, the thing is, as obvious as it's being about setting up the tragedy of it all, the reason why this is actually really, really well done in spite of how, you know, open about it it is, is it establishes something that the rest of the story regularly reinforces. Tanjiro isn't just loved because he's an anime protagonist, you know, manga protagonist. The sort of like meme of anime protagonists. Why does everybody like, you know, a certain swordsman from a certain isekai series? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of cases where a character will be in universe absolutely loved and adored by everyone they meet for no reason. But Tanjiro, he's just the goodest boy. Like there's a reason everyone loves him. And the story never stops to point out that that is who he is at his core. He is a fundamentally nice person. And, you know, doing something like, you know, bothering to not sell the charcoal he was going to sell, like, you know, putting that off to clear someone who was innocent of a crime. He just does that, you know, and like people are talking about how, oh, thanks for fixing my door. Oh, thanks for helping me out chopping wood. Like he just helps people. He's just so nice. Yeah, there's no ulterior motive. There's no uh, trying to get things from people. He is just a soft boy <laughs> and and we love him for it. I do like, uh, as you mentioned, Jake, how it uh, it really wears the buildup of the tragedy on its sleeve which I appreciate because we're already spoiled to the fact that some shit's going to go down with the very first page. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. I actually forgot that that first page showed that until I, until I was looking back through it. It kind of has a spoiler effect where it turns up, even if, if it's your first time reading, it turns the first reading into a second reading. And that really adds to the tension because you're not, you know, something awful is going to happen. And the more you just see Tanjiro be this little ray of sunshine, the more you're thinking, oh, no, don't hurt him, please. <laughs> and uh, so he finishes up his time in town and, you know, he sells all the charcoal and being being the helpful little boy he is. he It's, goes a, it's a holiday, isn't it? And like he's going to sell charcoal so that he can, they can uh, they can celebrate the holiday for all, all of his little siblings. Didn't he promise to get either Nezuko or one of the younger girls a new dress or something? Nezuko, she, she had forgotten getting a new dress over because she wanted to make sure that there was enough money to get her younger siblings food. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a new kimono, I think. Ah, uh, gotcha. Tanjiro saw her repairing it at one point and he's like, oh, I'll buy you another one. And she she tells him, oh, don't worry about it. You know, get something for one of the one of the younger siblings. And uh, don't, uh, <laughs> spoilers, but uh, don't get used to hearing Nezuko's voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We get maybe like three spoken lines from Nesuko in the entire manga, even though she is one of the most pivotal characters. And this actually brings up something that because I mean, I loved this manga, but 
it is not without flaw. My biggest problem with it, it actually also does a good job of like mitigating its own issue. Because we get a pretty good establishment of Nezuko's character from those very few lines of dialogue that we have of her. Nezuko is just like her brother. She doesn't stay that way. And there are a couple of points where I take a bit of an issue in how the series treats her. And I'll, I'll mention those in specific when we get to them. The, the series is not always great to Nezuko as a as a as a person so to say i think i know what you're referring later when the world building happens is demons are real and they exist Uh and they're hyper violent but also no one knows about them no one seems to really notice which is well odd it's also the fact that no one knows where they came from there's a lot of mystery of how they originated well people don't even know they exist which is they are this force of nature that exists. We don't know its origins. And a lot of people, do they not know it exists as much as they don't as as much as they don't know it exists or the fact that it's one of those things that. No, they, they, they fully do not know. Like that it Tanjiro, exists. when the old man is telling him about it, he's referring to it as if it's like a ghost story. Like this man said, the boogeyman's going to get you going up the hill, like probably even less than that. Because this is a story he's hearing for the first time, which is why it's weird that this village he goes to all the time. Now, even though even though I pointed out or I, I set up an issue that I have with Demon Slayer, let me turn it back around and say I will defend Demon Slayer in one sense. Uh, actually, in a lot of senses. In this case, I'll defend Demon Slayer in so far as I think the reason why demons aren't super well known is because the kill rate is so high. Very few people encounter demons and live to tell the tale. And most of the people who do encounter demons and live to tell the tale become demon hunters who shut up about demons. So it's weird that he's getting this story for the first time, but it's not it's not super weird that nobody knows that demons exist. Because the other thing when Tanjiro actually arrives and finds that um, because he stays the night and then he goes back to his um, home in the morning and he finds that everyone is, uh, you know, this this hideous scene. Everyone's dead. Everyone's dead. Everyone is dead. Blood every it's it's it's, it's surprisingly violent. And but the thing that Tanjiro immediately says is, is it a bear? Yeah. Because that's a reasonable thing. It is reasonable. They are they are secluded from the rest of the village. They are it's not completely outlandish that people would think that demons weren't real and another element that's definitely going to come up as a bigger thing later the idea that tanjiro is hearing this for the first time a lot of people lie to tanjiro or at the very least give him misleading information there's going to be a lot of cases where um i'm going to point out where someone tells tanjiro something that just doesn't track and it later reveals that no that's not right and it kind of makes me wonder if the old guy maybe knows more than he was letting on. Exactly. That was what I was trying to get to because I was talking earlier about how the fact that it was just what are the odds of this old man goes out of his way to say, hey, young boy, it's getting really late and you don't want to get caught up by like demons. Demons will like could attack you on your way back home. You should stay the night at my place. On the night his family gets eaten by demons. It's mm. insanely convenient. Yeah. 
I hadn't considered it from that angle, but yeah, it is It is very odd. There are a lot of cases where people, where Tanjiro, or people will just tell Tanjiro things that are just flat out untrue. They're either lies of omission or just straight up lies to his face. It's weird, but it's not weird in a sense of that's a writing error. The art style is very like sketchy and intimate. And it really draws you in. But then the actual text of the narrative itself, even down to the visuals, there's like this creeping paranoia that like you're getting lied to about something. And the only thing that you know for sure is that Tanjiro is a good boy. Yeah. And, and well, I should say Tanjiro and Nezuko are both good, you know, good kids. They're both good boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do learn a little later. Uh, and, you know, this is skipping around a little bit, but hey, we'd get to this eventually. We do learn that the demon leader, uh, evil Michael Jackson, <laughs> otherwise known as Kibitsuji Muzan. Oh, well, Sam's dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, Sam's been a demon all along? That explains <laughs> a lot. Uh, it's, it's amazing you couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> but uh, he goes to tremendous lengths to make sure that nobody knows about him. And he very obviously lies to his underlings. He places them under a gios that if they speak his name, they get destroyed by crazy hand things. It's nuts. Yeah, we'll get into that in more detail later, but... There is a lot of obfuscation in this manga, and it's not just from the demons. We're at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Tanjiro yeah. finds his family slaughtered, except for Nezuko. Mm -hmm. She's still breathing. She's There's a chance that he might be able to save her, even. Mm -hmm. The way it's presented is any reasonable person would accept that her injuries were fatal. And the reason why Nezuko does survive is not because there was any hope of saving her under normal circumstances, because Nezuko was soaked in blood. It wasn't any of her family's blood. It was her own blood she had been covered in. So this is another one where it's like, I'm going to both praise and complain about Demon Slayer in, in the same breath when it comes to this in a bit. If Tanjiro has one flaw, it's not what the characters tell him his one flaw is. It's that he's overly optimistic to the point of denying reality mm. like he expect like he expects that um he can he can fix any problem if he just works at it N there was no chance that if if this was not a supernatural series that nezuko could have survived and that sort of um i'm gonna fix this and just blindly trudging towards this fix it mentality is the one like character flaw he needs to work on because there are some problems that you don't just fix yeah, we we actually didn't get to it in the manga, mm -hmm. but um, in the anime, there is an entire training segment of Tanjiro just screaming at himself, hard work. Mm -hmm. So you are right about that, Jake. And it it gets a little lampshaded later on. Where were we? Right. Uh, trudging down the mountain, hoofing it with Nezuko on his back. Yeah, Nezuko is alive. Good news. She's even waking up. Bad news is she's about to eat you <laughs> and uh in the thrashing of the in of the ensuing battle they get knocked off of a cliff but thankfully it is a blizzard right now and the snow is deep enough to uh cushion their fall and like this is just one of the most like demon slayer establishing its tone moments because it's this incredibly terrible situation Tanjiro gets up from the snowbank and he's like oh the snow saved me well, I wouldn't have fell if it weren't for the snow. <laughs> and then Nezuko attacks it. Like, it's so it's so comfy and warm and cute. But there's like this creeping dread lying just behind the surface that yeah. really sucks. So he's wrestling with Nezuko, begging her to not be doing what 
what she's doing, uh, like holding her back by jamming the haft of his hatchet into her mouth as she's trying to like bite him. Esiko herself is struggling with this as she starts breaking down crying. She starts off as completely feral, but the battle inside the mind. And that's when uh, my boy Giyu Tomioka shows up. I love this guy. Oh, this this jerk comes in. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> there is no reason this guy. While I'm saying that the reason why he probably showed up is similarly to how eventually Tanjiro, he gets his crow, that you probably has a similar message to come to this village because there's been a demon attack. Ah, actually, yeah, he probably did get. So there's probably that's the reason he showed up. It's not just mysteriously. Oh, what a coincidence. He was probably told there was a demon attack in this area. You should go check it out. The way that it's presented relative to the audience, we are in Tanjiro's shoes. He comes out of nowhere for no reason, and he just pulls out a katana and starts attacking Nezuko. There's more to what happened than what has been shown. Than, is, than initially meets the eye. Which means that there had to have been at least more than, there had to have been at least one other demon attack somewhere in the area before that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't think about it because the story never tells you about it. Actually, but it well, makes you think about the old guy. Uh -huh. And actually, this is getting into stuff that I know from watching the anime that wasn't actually in the manga. But what Jay said does bring up something that I had not considered. And it might even indicate that um, the Demon Slayer core is doing something to track Muzan. Because he was. The well, no, we know it's him. That yeah, transform Nezuko. We do know it's him that transformed Nezuko, but we. Uh, oh, because they emphasize those earrings. Uh huh. They, yes. Jake, this is a bit of a spoiler from the uh, anime, but Gi yeah, Giyu I, is. Oh, yeah. Giyu is very. Jacob is the only one who hasn't seen the anime, correct? Yes. Yeah, I'm the only one who's not seen okay. it. Giyu is very important. He's a very uh, high ranking demon slayer. Okay, yeah, that that is not conveyed as as of where we stopped. If, mm -hmm. if this were a random demon attack, he's not the guy you send for a rando low-level demon. So they had to know it was Muzan, which is pretty crazy. I never even thought about that. Mm -hmm. This is the thing about Demon Slayer, because like it, there are a lot of places where it does these sorts of things that in a lesser series, I would call it out as a mistake and write Demon Slayer off as a poorly written story. It's, it's done with purpose. And you can see those threads where it's like, that doesn't make sense. So what does it mean? It's a very thin, you know, line to tread, but I think it does a good job. I will say, you being important is not something that <laughs> is in any way conveyed to me. I would never have guessed that until it was revealed, which is probably in intended. Well, even to, to that point, though, that even in the anime, Gyu is kind of not even really expanded upon until we get to the later arcs. So, I mean, that's not something that right out of the gate, when I was watching the anime initially, that that was uh, obvious. I'm saying that it's intended. Counterpoint, Jake, you should know Gyo was important because he was named, unlike <laughs> literally anything else in this manga. I mean, they were named, but I just forget their names. No, he has his full name said. If you're not a main character, your full you name know. doesn't get brought up. Yeah. <laughs> Gyo, uh, he is the image of a demon slayer to the point where he has destroys demons etched onto the blade of his katana, <laughs> which is metal. Well, you see, sometimes he forgets. What am I yeah. supposed to do? <laughs> what am I supposed to do today? Oh, right. Destroy the demons. Right. 
And so uh, he's here to kill Nezuko, and he's like, kid, it's a demon. Why are you protecting it? And he's like, it's not a demon. It's my little sister. And Giyu's like, okay, what you going to do about it? I'm still going to kill the demon. I adore this exchange because uh, Tanjiro, you know, he like, he's kowtowing. He's begging for Nezuko's life because there's no hope in hell he could beat Giyu. And Giyu's just like, dude. You're sitting there cowering and groveling. If I were a less merciful person, I would have her and you dead by now. Get up and do something about it. And this is actually one of the points where I'm going to both praise and complain about Demon Slayer in the same breath. Because this is very much something where, at least to an extent, Demon Slayer knows it's doing this, which is what makes it not something that like hurt the series for me. Tanjiro is being told that compassion is a weakness. And as far as I have gotten, that is something that everyone tells him. And Tanjiro's never really had a point where it's been he's been able to definitively refute that yet. The thing that I praise Demon Slayer for, and I'm operating under the assumption that it f- continues to add to this rather than just saying that compassion actually is a bad thing. I remember mentioning in the Yu-Gi-Oh! episode how the series kind of addresses toxic masculinity in the sense that um, the people who are inclined to just immediately go for violence are proven consistently that they're wrong. But on the other hand, it doesn't say that, you know, fighting is inherently wrong. Sometimes you got to punch the bad guy. And the thing that makes Tanjiro stand out among the demon slayers that we meet is that he at the very least tries to find a peaceful solution. I'm operating under the assumption that demon slayer is going to continue putting, you know, balls in that camp as opposed to at some point proving Tanjiro definitively wrong. And that's why, even though I really, really don't like Yu's assertion that, you know, compassion is a weakness only ever, you know, fight to kill that irks me because it's wrong uh i'm gonna i'm just gonna say this jake you're gonna love the natagumo mountain arc (laughs) yeah but like in all fairness for an organization that fights these demons are portrayed as infinitely stronger than humans and humans are obviously a little bit of like shonen anime magic but they're very fragile Mm. in this comparatively to like other shonen like yeah they're happy tanjiro has compassion and hasn't lost it to like pure hatred but he still needs to get the job done and in a lot of cases these people aren't getting better what i'm concerned about is it going all in in the camp that if a demon isn't a main character it can't be saved that concerns me because that's very a you know get the other sort of mentality that is kind of how you know, mentalities become toxic. I'd rather see more cases of Tanjiro be proven right. And like every time Demon Slayer has concerned me, it is at least shown the way that it could write itself out of that problem. Mm-hmm. It's just that I wanted to point out that concerns me because the series, as far as I'd, I've read in up to chapter 19, the series doesn't seem to agree with Tanjiro. And that worries me. Yeah, uh, Matt makes a good point because, you know, a a certain amount of ruthlessness is definitely needed against some of these demons because, oh boy, uh, we are not we are not to we are not to the hand demon or bog demon yet. But when we get there, nope. if you continue to read this, you will like the Natagumo Mountain arc. Yeah, and I think the main thing we get for Tanjiro's character that I really enjoy is that people acknowledge that his compassion is a weakness. Like you can't 
argue that it isn't. He is too compassionate. And and that's sort of, yeah. again, why I say in the same breath where I'm complaining about it, I'm also praising it because sometimes you have to fight. Like, yeah, yeah. That's kind of makes this a shonen, though. He has yeah. to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you start off with a weakness and slowly get rid of it, unless you're one of those shonens where you don't have weaknesses. Well, not get rid of it. He learns to balance it. Mm-hmm. There's no getting rid of it. I guess actually that might be the best way for me to put it, what my concern is, because the series seems like it wants him to shed it as opposed to balance it. And I'm gonna I'm operating under the assumption that Demon Slayer is as good as it's been so far and that it will be a matter of the series shows that Tanjiro is right and it is a matter of balance because you know, some something that I was starting to uh, say when it comes to like the idea of toxic masculinity, like a lot of the responses that, you know, people who have that mentality, I was like, what do you want us all just hug and sing kumbaya? And it's like, no, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, confront. And you can be strong by, by still being compassionate, too. Which is what we get from Tondro a lot, but. Yes. Mm-hmm. There is strength in being compassionate. Yes. And it is one of the things that makes me adore this series. Tondro is a beautiful idol of a main character and we get like did we go over his best part yet which is uh this fight with no that's what we're building up to the fight with you i love it yeah this was the part in the anime where i'm like okay you know this is pretty cool i can get behind this and then this fight happened and i sat up in my chair and i went oh i believe this too with the audio no 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 no. (laughs) i don't believe it because that was way too quiet (laughs) <laughs> i'm trying to save our dear listeners ears. fair enough Gyu is yelling at tanjiro get up and do something about it and he goes all right he gets up he he doesn't he doesn't get up and say all right he says okay <laughs> i want to watch that series i i got this <laughs> he hurls a rocket Gyu to distract him Uh, In the same action, he's running behind a tree and he then charges headlong at him, looking like he's got his hatchet ready to just, you know, mash, mash the R2 and just break his poise. He's he's got his body tucked in such a way that he it looks like he's going to do like a down to upswing. And both of his arms are like hidden behind his body. And Giyu, you know, on raw stats, just outdoes him, knocks him to the ground uh with a bat with a hilt bash to the back and what little we do get of Giyu this is the point where you very much see that he's not just some like blood knight going around killing demons because he enjoys it or anything like that Giyu makes it seem like he's going to kill Tanjiro he implies to Tanjiro that I will kill you and he hits Tanjiro with the butt of his katana as opposed to the blade yeah and knocks him out instead of kills him and like Tanjiro is operating under the assumption that he's going to die when he does this. Yeah, because he easily could have killed him. It was an effort to not. Mm -hmm. And an effort to protect Nezuko. It's mostly the eyes that make me think he's a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Dead eyes, like, ugh. Well, that doesn't make me think he's a jerk. That makes me think that he's seen some stuff that has hardened him and has caused him to kind of adopt his, his viewpoint. In other words, you know, kind of like having that 100 mile stare of just like, I've seen some stuff. So I'm not going to put up with your like kid stuff. 
the thing is, I don't even think he's that hardened because he definitely does have that 100-mile stare. But I think the moment where he hits Tanjiro with the butt, because it's like he doesn't even cut Tanjiro. He could have done something like where he like slashed Tanjiro's arm or something like He could have been way more violent with Tanjiro than he was. He shows that basically all of the get up or I kill you stuff was entirely bluster. He had no intention of, like he was going to kill Nezuko probably regardless if it weren't for something that happens in just a bit. But he he wasn't ever actually going to hurt Tanjiro. He was putting on an act. In all fairness, the butt of the sword is probably so he could then like berate him more is what I get from his character. Like he was going to knock him out and go like, wow, how weak you thought you were going to beat me. And then he's like, wait, what? Isn't there something that said about Tanjiro, how how hard his head is or something like that would have easily like knocked out or killed a normal person. And Tanjiro's just like, ow, that hurt. He didn't even hit him on the head, which is the thing. If he had done that, then he would have uh, he would have lost that fight harder. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Tanjiro collapses to the ground and Gyu looks down at him like, Ugh, so weak. And he's like, wait a minute, where's the hatchet? He looks up, sees the hatchet spinning in from the heavens and barely gets out of the way before it chops his head in and instead embeds him to a tree. And he's like, holy crap, he threw the hatchet while I was distracted and then pretended he still had it. Mm -hmm. He was he was ready to die, but wanted to take me with him to protect his sister. He's like, all right, I like this guy. This kid's got sauce. Also, <laughs> side tangent, I just love the fact that uh, big man on campus, Gyu, doesn't do your normal shonen anime thing where he's just like, ha. Huh that mere axe throw wouldn't have been enough to kill me. He's like, oh, crap, that would have murdered me. <laughs> a hatchet to the face does, in fact, kill these people. They're not Dragon Ball characters. Yeah. It's killed <laughs> the crap. And so uh, he's like, all right, um, these kids get their second chance. Well, not quite, because in dodging the axe, he has to let go of Nezuko. And, and they both move away from each other, and... At this point, Gyo is saying, okay, this, you know, this boy might actually have something. Let's finish off the demon and then we can, you know, deal with, you know, whatever comes next. But as he is approaching Tanjiro to protect him from the demon that he had been carrying, Nezuko gets between Tanjiro and Gyo, arms outstretched in uh, to uh, protect him from the guy who just attacked yes. him. There, There is every bit malicious and feral intent in her eyes, but it is directed at the person who just hit her brother. It's not, I want to eat this piece of meat. It is, you hurt my family, and I will stop you from ever coming anywhere near him again. Mm -hmm. it, it's wonderful. It proves how great these two kids are. I, I, I freaking adore this manga. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that is when he was like, all right, cool. Both of them have the sauce. Mm -hmm. And so he gives Nezuko the bamboo gag. She's not able to like reflexively bite a person because that could get bad fast. Because yeah. it, it, even though Nezuko is a good person, it's still made very clear that every single moment is active restraint from her, which has to be just hit horribly exhausting. No wonder she slept for a year and a half in the next bit. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say she does take a really long nap, an insanely long <laughs> yeah. nap. An you might say an unreasonably long nap. This is why I love Netsuko. She's like queen of naps. <laughs> I love this girl. If only I could be a shonen protagonist, but instead of training, I could just take naps to get stronger. <laughs> I know! 
enjoying the dream except for the demon part but i mean yeah basically before we go into the next arc my favorite bit is giyu after giving like nezuku the bamboo gag and everything tells tantra oh by the way don't take her out in the sun that'll instantly kill her i bet you didn't know that but probably good information to have later (laughs) wait who doesn't give her doesn't give her the thing she has to go to now she wakes she wakes up with the gag in yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I think I, Tanjiro gets knocked out, and a lot of this information is conveyed to him via a letter that was left by Gia. Yeah. By the way, don't do that thing mm-hmm. or else she'll die, but whatever. Unlike equal bad. <laughs> yeah, including uh, go to this mountain and find this guy named Orokodaki, and uh, he'll train you to be a demon killer. And drop my name so that he knows yeah. why you're coming. So. I get a referral bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I wasn't the first one to have to pronounce it because I had no hope because I hadn't watched the anime. I had no po- hope of pronouncing that name. <laughs> <laughs> I love Orokodaki. He's a great. He he is one of my favorite like, wise old mentors in all of anime. He's also good for like comic relief. Yeah. And see, I didn't get that strong an impression of him it, personally. I think it's mostly in the mask the the comic relief that is because yep. no matter what he does or says he just has that comedically frowning big nose tengu mask on what happens immediately next is basically just the first demon fight right because we're not we're not quite to Orokodaki. in all fairness this for what the enemies are going to be because they just randomly walk into another like farmhouse that was the owners were killed by a demon and they just happen to be there wonder how much truth is being told to the audience through Tanjiro in the series, because if these things are happening, there's a lot of bears, man. Like, something's going on. Well, when, <laughs> w- later on, we'll get into, like, man's in it. Sure, they would have more rural and more bears, but no, they're, like, right outside of, like, Tokyo area. Well, this is also, like, 1800, so Tokyo was much smaller back then, but... I also, there's a, I also think that to some extent that um the the sense of time and geography is not super important and thus not lingered on the one thing that i will say about the first demon fight is it does introduce nezuko's most powerful move the emoto kick yeah nezuko has the power to just kick things off bodies (laughs) she freaking decapitates the guy with a single punt (laughs) like holy crap (laughs) but yeah we meet the man in the tengu mask uh master of the water breathing style and we go up uh to his mountain which i it's is it sagiri not sagiri I, I forget what the mountain is called but we begin the training arc where uh to start off with uh tanjiro is put at the top of the mountain where it's apparently even a higher elevation than the place he used to live because the air is so thin he's almost passing out and he has to run all the way back to Orokodaki's house while avoiding all of the traps. So here's actually the first example where we get people pretty overtly lying to Tanjiro. Like sometimes they're lies to help him. They travel apparently for a very long time because Tanjiro is is carrying Nezuko this whole time. And they get to the mountain and Tanjiro is wondering, is that the test that will let me be your student? And um, Orokodaki says, no, we will go to the top of the mountain. And then they climb a giant mountain that's so high it's hard to breathe. And Tanjiro's like, is that the test that lets me be your student? And he's like, no, now you have to go down the mountain. Like, it keeps being presented like this is the test. 
and then going down the mountain. That's the test to be the um, student, right? Well, no, because just simply going down the mountain isn't enough. There's a massive amount of traps everywhere. Yeah, I think that's also just part of Orokudaki's character. He's kind of a jerk. And there are going to be other cases where the series doesn't really linger on it. But one thing that I noticed is like people just don't tell uh, Tanjiro the truth. Mm. And it's and it's not always malicious. And this is the first case where you get the overt example of it doesn't just happen. And you wonder how huh, that's kind of weird. You see the immediate result of it is that, yeah, he was lying. He is not being entirely truthful with Tanjiro. I think part of it is the effort to. Uh, you know, instill in Tanjiro the idea that if you're going to be a demon slayer, you always need to be on your feet. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because uh, as we will learn soon enough, demons can have some whack supernatural powers. Other than like their insane strength, that's like the one baseline that they have. It's lies in Tanjiro's best interest, but everyone deceives him. Yeah. And the series kind of makes a point of not lingering on that, which sort of puts the audience in the same place as Tanjiro. Can't be too secure. It's it's a very, it does a very good job of the art style is wholesome. The characters are whole, well, Tanjiro and Nezuko are wholesome. And it sort of like lulls you in, but there's like this creeping dread that something's wrong in the background of everything. And then when it's real. It's real atmosphere. And then yeah. when that dread gets just too much, you'll get a real half-assed drawing of Tanjiro and just laugh. Because, man, <laughs> they, they love drawing Tanjiro as three circles. Or or Nezuko, who, like, I love the dot eyes. It's so cute. Nezuko, background Nezuko is an entire so, mood all to herself. So Nezuko is normally cute. Tanjiro looks like, oh, crap, I have to draw Tanjiro again. I don't care at this point. Here's three circles. <laughs> and actually since we're on the training here's the most overt case of uh someone lying to tanjiro's face Mm -hmm. and the series makes a point of not making a point of it it shuffles by this reality because tanjiro doesn't think about it because as he's training he's the there's a bunch of narration boxes where um and i will say the narration boxes can be a little bit iffy sometimes because they won't actually let you know who it is that's narrating you have to piece it together by context clues also just talking about the narration boxes they sure do love just breaking up what should be like a nice full panel image with let's put boxes over half the art yeah (laughs) it's implied that during most of the segiri mountain training arc that it's tanjiro's journal Oh, yeah, it's well, it's entirely Tanjiro's journal. But here's the thing about Tanjiro's journal. One of the things that's mentioned uh, is Tanjiro in his journal says that no one knows where demons come from. It's a complete mystery. That's a lie. They know where demons come from. It's evil Michael Jackson over there. No, but they don't understand where he came from. Like they can understand that he's the progenitor, but they don't understand like where he where he came from but the way that it's presented to tanjiro is that it's a complete mystery it is a mystery like where did he come from what caused him to have this affliction that caused him to be able to create demons like i mean that's how i interpreted it but here's the thing he wasn't told about this progenitor of demons up front he was presented as if demons were nebulous unknowable things that they knew nothing about and that's not true and 
because like he's like you know is there a way to cure them and at first he's he's functionally told nobody knows anything about demons so probably not but that's not true either they know where the they know who the original demon was and again it's not so much that like you know you expect everyone to stab tanjiro in the back but like there was information that by all accounts he should have been given and he wasn't you could hand wave part of that away in the fact that he is below a novice as a demon slayer at this point so and they're Mm. and yeah and it's like they're clearly trying to be secretive about this entire thing so they wouldn't tell a kid who might not even survive his training yet about all this stuff you know he, he hey kid do you like proving yourself boy do i but it it is odd that like this super critical question does get kind of glossed over until we learn about muzan we continue the training arc at mount sagiri where uh it becomes increasingly deadly as the wooden uh traps become sharp pointy metal traps yeah i think there's a point where like just a bunch of like steak knives are flung at him from a from a snare of some kind it's very look if you're gonna fight demons you gotta you can't let uh like a steak knife kill you (laughs) it's bad he nearly falls in a punji pit he almost just goes down on some spikes and that's it if you're going if you're gonna fight demons you can't let a Viet Cong tactic take you out like (laughs) but um if you're going to fight demons you can't let dying stop you yeah uh I mean look at Nesico um speaking of which she's she's been asleep for this like entire year which man when I saw that in the anime I was like is that a translation error and then I read it in the manga I'm like no it's not (laughs) Did anyone else read that sentence and just laugh in the manga? Because it in the manga, it's very deadpan and immediate. Nezuko has been asleep for a year and a half. What? <laughs> <laughs> this actually kind of goes into a little bit. Um, I wonder if this was like an attempt at marketing where um, they kind of assumed that the anime would fill in a bunch of filler of uh, Tanjiro training where I shouldn't say it's no sense of time because like, Star Wars is bad about tracking time. Demon Slayer is good at keeping track of like how much time passes, but they're also very, very apt to just, I don't know, skip half a year out of nowhere. Like it's very jarring and it's not something that Shonen series generally do. Normally you see you see every little bit of training of a Shonen protagonist in exhaustive detail. I'm- Unless you get this exact situation, which is you say then a year and a half passed because you want to show off what the time skip uh, design looks like uh-huh which we just look different though he does he's taller he's taller he doesn't he doesn't look very different but he is mildly different yeah he is a very unimpressive time skip uh there is a bit in the anime which i found particularly funny where he failed at a bunch of training things and obviously not the deadly ones and like during all of the training exercises he just kept screaming nezuko's name <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like he falls off a cliff when he's meditating near a waterfall and just goes, Nezuka! I was very sad to not see that in the manga. But we do eventually, a year passes, and Orokudaki's like, I have nothing else to teach you. Here is a giant boulder with some rope tied around it and some, like, tags on it. It's, 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 some, Shin, it's some Shinto stuff, I think. This boulder is your teacher now cut almost literally cut the boulder in half the year half of a year was dealing with the traps the other half was learning the sword techniques yeah 
is like cut the boulder in half. But I just have this katana. Cut the boulder in half. Are you going to show me how to? And then Orokidaki just walks away. <laughs> I don't think you understand. I'm a terrible teacher. <laughs> but fortunately, there there are uh, better teachers uh, in the area. Yeah. Yeah. Some two kids. Yeah. Some helpful kids. Why did the air get colder all of a sudden? That's really weird. Man, why are why are all four of us talking so weird about these completely <laughs> normal children who wear yeah. box masks? <laughs> yes. Oh yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who you hang around, but that's completely normal in this neck of the woods. So <laughs> <laughs> a boy and a girl in a fox mask show up. The boy Wait. the boy shit talks sh uh, Tanjiro for a while, says that he's a weakling of a man who can't even stand up to do the simplest task and whinges all the time. Beats the hell out of him. Yeah, he's not wrong. Yeah, he, <laughs> My man I mean, wrong. Yeah. he beats the hell out of Tanjiro. And then the girl is like, okay, I'm actually going to teach you how to cut the boulder now. <laughs> well, we get, we get, a, they have a good cop, bad cop mm -hmm. routine yeah. going on because yeah. Tan, Tanjiro getting beaten up makes him more receptive to actually listen to. Because Tanjiro really goes out he he needs to be proven wrong before he'll listen to someone yeah and this actually kind of goes into what his actual character flaw is he can't just keep running at this boulder and hitting it with his sword over and over again and that's really the only thing he can think mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. he needs to he needs a sea change he needs to understand you know what the sword techniques are in a different way and he just can't internalize that so having a goal to aspire to someone who is hideously stronger than him, beat him up every day, puts him in a state where he's receptive listening to the other one. I, I don't remember their names. I'm not going to lie. I don't think they had. Th yeah, they man. definitely had names. I don't think we get told them now. I think they get told in the flashback. He he knows their names and they do get mentioned because Orokudaki is surprised that um, Tanjiro knows those names. And we had our fun coy joke. Uh, they're ghost kids. Tanjiro, how how do you know the names of those deceased children? <gasps> Which actually also explains why Jay said that um, uh, it was normal around her neck of the woods, because we've already established that she's a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, hold on. We're full circle, guys. Full Does circle. That? get revealed I, I does he tell tanjiro they're ghost he, kids or does tanjiro run off to go take the exam no one overtly tells him he puts two and two together when he fights yeah. the armed yeah because sam i think the anime is a bit more obvious about it the manga he literally just goes wait a second those kids and then it's left up it's left vague like you're not supposed to know it but Orokodaki thinks to himself, it's a thought bubble. He's, he thinks, how do you know the names of those deceased children? He doesn't say that to Tanjiro. Well, as, as the guy who doesn't have the anime to uh, cloud his memory of the thing, like he thinks it to himself, how do you know those names? But some of the dialogue of the kids combined with the way that um, Orokodaki is thinking to himself, how did you know, makes it very obvious. It's not actually stated that they're dead. Um, it is later where um, a, a antagonist in the next arc is is confronted when Tanjiro puts two and two together. Yeah, because that that was my main thing was Tanjiro's scene in the next arc is important because he realizes they were mm -hmm. dead. The series is very good at putting you in Tanjiro's shoes because 
if Arakodaki had said out loud, wait, how did you know those names? I think it would have been very easy for Tanjiro to put together what was going on right then and there. But he didn't have that information, the information the audience did instead. It's it's very much a case of dramatic irony where the, the audience is being told something and, you know, it's the rare case where we're stepping out of Tanjiro's perspective to understand something that he doesn't, you know, before he learns it. Mm-hmm. Although my favorite part about the ghost kids is um, ghost kid boy is the one who's fighting Tanjiro every day. And then Tanjiro finally feels like he can beat him. And then he shows up and instead of the like training wooden sword he'd had, he has a metal katana. Mm -hmm. And Tanjiro's like, wait, what? Are you playing for keeps? And he's just like, the only way to fight. And then (laughs) Tanjiro beats him. And then it was revealed it was the boulder all along, which is hilarious because Tanjiro then, where'd that kid go? Yeah. Only for the next arc to realize he was dead, which is why this whole scene is... Here's the really crazy thing, because we do get a bit of a time skip design for Tanjiro. His hair grows significantly longer in those six months fighting the boulder than it did in the year <laughs> learning from Orokodaki. And uh, I think over the course of the fight with Ghost Boy, Ghost Boy slices his hair with a katana, which reverts him back to his pre-time skip design. Which also opens up the weird can of worms that ghosts can affect people physically in this world. I mean, we have demons, so. I mean, this is a supernatural universe, so yeah, that does. Yeah. I'm not gonna think too hard on it. Sure, the ghosts know how to materialize and give haircuts with swords. Fine. But anyway, we finally get through his training. He gets signed off, and then he is... Uh, he has a sword, but not an actual demon-slaying sword. Well, it is a demon-slaying sword. It's just not mm-hmm. the one that will be his. I think it's like... Isn't this also his first sword ever? Because before, he was not exposed to martial arts yeah. in any form. Yeah, he, he was trained with a sword. I, I think I'm getting confused because the scene where he receives the sword and the scene that happens later are very similar because they take place in the same yeah. room. But it's it's important because Orokodaki, I'm not sure if it's a spare or if it's Orokodaki's old Demon Slayer sword, but he is given one by his teacher. And it's like, okay, this is your temp one for the final selection you're gonna get your own if you pass so go forth and conquer kid i'm i'm just saying what we learn about the demon slayer selection uh he probably has a few spares lying around yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. His, it, it's it's his old spare mm-hmm. it's his old spare <laughs> his old spare that's never belonged to anyone else yep so tanjiro goes to this mountain which has uh wisteria blossoms i think a kind of yes yeah, wisteria blossoms which have demon repellent properties And at this mountain, they bloom year round only at a certain elevation. So it's great to just lock demons at the top of the mountain then, which I I think helps explain why the general populace doesn't know, because it seems that most demons either get murdered by the demon slayers or kidnapped by them and taken to final selection mountain as a respawn mechanic. I think the they're mostly killed. Yeah. The ones that they take to the mountain are weak and are only used for training purposes. So I think that's less. Yeah. Uh, well, it is also worth noting that they're weak relative to demons. They are still exceptionally dangerous, as we'll say. So we get the two creepy little Proctor twins. I, I love how um, in the author's notes, he specifies one of them is a boy. 
Guess yeah. which. <laughs> it's not even. It's worse than that. It's. A, I heard a rumor. Yeah. One of them it's is like, a boy. Even the author doesn't know. <laughs> God damn it! Honestly, there are a lot of androgynous characters in this manga. Sure, why not? Which I mean, like. It's not even necessarily a bad thing. The The character designs are great. The art is great. But it's really, really hard to tell anyone's gender at a glance. Maybe that's on purpose. So uh, we get to the final selection and it's like 20 kids. And it's like, OK, uh, go above the Wisteria Blossom line. Survive for a week. If you do, you're a Demon Slayer. GG nerds. Yeah, that's these are literally children too aren't they they're all like <laughs> oh yeah they're all like tanjiro's age so they're like i don't think there's a hard cutoff but they're all like teenagers young teenagers so tanjiro heads up uh runs into two demons and uh shows the results of his training and completely bodies them with the breath of water style which is so cool <laughs> it looks great it does look great. And I was worried that it wouldn't because like in the anime, of course, it's freaking fantastic. Well, the anime does the weird thing where they use like a different style of animation for it. So it like crosses out. It looks good in the manga, too, but it, it doesn't have that same effect. But obviously it couldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in, in the manga, it's much more uh, cohesive with the rest of the art style, whereas in like the anime, it it, it looks like Jake, you've played Okami. It looks like the brush arts in Okami. Uh, it looks yes. really good. It's just, it looks out of place. It looks intentionally out of place yeah. is what I'm getting. Yeah. It, lo it looks more like it could be a metaphor in the anime. In the manga, <laughs> I'm even more confused because it blends in so well. <laughs> See, I was actually looking really closely and I don't know if the anime ever breaks this rule, but there is no water and where a uh, breathing art style is not being used, there is never any actual water. I am dead certain as of chapter 19 of the manga alone that they are metaphorical, that there isn't any actual water unless Tanjiro is using them in actual water, which comes with Then good, good, Jake. You're at the same place I was when I was watching the anime at this point. It gets more confusing. <laughs> Again, Natakumo Mountain is uh, very, very intense. <laughs> but also Tanjiro and Gyu are the ones I'm most willing to believe. Ah, that's a metaphor. Other people's sword styles are not are less likely to believe their metaphor. Mm -hmm. Sort of like the lightning and the reddish pink, like, you know, energy veins going across uh, Deku when he's using uh, one for all. Oh, wait, what? That's not literally there? What? I, I assumed one for all what? was literally making lightning. I think no. it, it's I, I, it. I can't remember if it's directly stated or implied, but uh, the, the the assumption is that that's just a visual effect to show that it's to like show the audience that it's being used. The green lightning around his body is a bit more ambiguous, but the but the like energy that's like physically on him. Yeah, the, like, uh, that stuff is stuff. that stuff has been um, at the very least stated in supplementary material is not actually being visible. To other people. Oh, I, I, I was actually talking about the green lightning then the the like when his arms like glow red. I always assumed that was like an X-ray vision of his arm as one for all was like forcing its way through his. I would assume that I don't know, maybe it's like it's it's a visual visualization of like static electricity, but that's an entirely different manga. And I didn't mean yes. for this. To jan tan tan yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I realized you know, this is all just getting cut. So let's get back on track. And now I won't cut it. <laughs> oh, no, uh, 
so Tanjiro bodies a couple of Babi demons with his water style, and he's continuing on his journey, and he runs into another trainee who is sobbing and running away. And the reason why becomes very obvious with the giant hand monster. Speaking of Hirawaka. It's Shigaraki if he gained like 600 pounds of <laughs> pure thickness. It's also Shigaraki if the person drawing him didn't actually like drawing hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh no bad touch man is oh back God. help i love i love all the panels of him you can desperately see how it's being framed to put as few of the hands in at once because they're like i don't want to draw seven hands that's part of the reason why shigaraki is so shocking though because it's like wow this is a mangaka who actually this is who actually like hands coke uh yeah coke hey yeah. uh horikoshi uh absolutely loves drawing hands its author avatar is a pair of hands yeah that's a that's a baller <laughs> move right there say you know this thing that everyone else hates yeah i love it meanwhile and, this uh, demon's just got okay hands but <laughs> there are a lot of close-ups of his face which you know there's still there's still hands there's still hands all over his face also but... But considering how big this thing is, you really what you wanted was like a nice full screen shot because he's about twice Tanjiro's size. <laughs> but we just get these cut off clips because it's just yeah. like I think we get one shot of him like blubbering his way out from behind some trees, and that's the only time where you actually see him in any amount of uh, literally blubbering. Which, in all fairness, sounds about part of the course for the art in the manga. I've noticed you get one really cool full establishing shot, and then it's just like <laughs> I'm done with that. Here's here's a few sketch Tanjiro's to fill in the page count. Sketch <laughs> Tanjiro is great, uh, but we don't get sketch Tanjiro here as he is uh, entered full shown in action mode, uh, cutting the demon's hands off with the water wheel mm -hmm. technique, which is just a sword somersault. But that man, it's still baller as hell. It still looks really cool. Yeah. And uh, so he helps this other uh, applicant who is like, <laughs> screw this guy, I'm bailing. This this other applicant didn't look like he belonged here at all, by the way. He looked right. like an regular guy. Yeah, he was a loser. Uh, so Tanjiro begins this epic battle with the uh, hand demon who notices Tanjiro has a carved fox mask. And he's like, oh, another one of Orokodaki's kids. Great. I can eat a 14th one. Like he does it. He does a count on all of his hands. Yeah. Uh, he's eaten 50 trainees that they've sent up the mountain and like 14 of them have been Orokodakis because uh, he was the one that captured the hand demon and brought him to the mountain. So he has a personal grudge against him. Also, he wasn't even really a hand demon when he was captured. He was just a dude. He was. Yeah, he became that because he became that because he ate so many people Yeah, because it's it's something that's almost been talked around up until this point but this is the first time where it's like explicitly stated um that like the more people a demon eats the stronger it gets and when it gets to a certain level of strength it starts getting supernatural powers because normal demons are just people who are like absurdly strong enough because the things they're fighting are just regular people with swords <laughs> right exactly this is actually kind of important uh world building moment there's also a really like interesting moment that i liked a lot where um this is the point where the ghost kids are explicitly stated to be ghost kids the audience by this sh point should be clued into that but um tanjiro is able to figure it out one moment that was like really really kind of interesting and, and sort of shows how 
how screwed up and unfair and and just awful the world can be sometimes. They're all told when they're given that mask that it's for protection. And all the people who have gone to the final selection with that mask have been targets of this particularly powerful demon. And instead of bringing protection, it's what brought their deaths down on them. Mm -hmm. And uh, the demon, he at least says he's able to read the thoughts of the people he's eating. He's a demon, whether or not he's being entirely honest mm-hmm. isn't really. But like he mentions that the that the girl he, uh, uh, you know, died feeling a sense of utter betrayal um, because he had informed her as well that I seek people out with those masks because I know what they mean. And that's just like it's it's so like messed up and unfair, you know, it's incredibly raw. Yeah. yeah. And it, the big thing is um, Orokodaki, like. He has no way of knowing this is happening. He knows he sends his kids off to go take their exam. And from what we find out, the Demon Slayer exam already has a pretty hefty fatality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like 80% of the uh, of the applicants in Tanjiro's group don't come back. Well, there's there's 20 kids and four make it to the end. Yeah. So like, and I think someone even mentions that's a high number at one point. I forget if it happens in the manga or not, but I think it's one of the proctors that says, wow, we didn't expect so many to come back. And Tundra's like, there's only four of us. We had over 20. Yeah, yeah. Even the guy I saved isn't back. There are cases where I feel like Demon Slayer maybe time skips a little bit too much because it's like, yeah, the Dragon Ball anime scared everybody off of doing filler because it beat filler into the ground and took its lunch money. Like, we only see this one fight. This one fight that takes, like, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, like, all the rest of it... Because, like, they're supposed to be up there, like, a week, right? No, it's a... Yeah, it's a week. Is it a week? I thought it was a night. It's a week. Oh, jeez. Well, okay, yeah, the time is messed up. <laughs> we see, like, the first 45 minutes of this week of harrowing experience that Tanjiro goes through. And it's like, yeah, he handles it. Because it's like, you could have had the hand demon come last Mm -hmm. right like he could have been the last one to show up where you show a bunch of fights where tanjiro is up against people who are just super strong okay i've never used my uh techniques against a real person and it requires total concentrate like they keep hammering in during the training it requires total concentration and like maybe have him be a little bit shaky about it and takes him a little bit to um practically apply what he's learned you know i don't know i i think a a good strength of demon slayer though is it cuts down to like what the necessary amount is and we got the training arc and we got the main now what probably would have been better was give him more time during that week and then have the big demon because realistically yeah yeah what what we what we're told is we get context clues and i think someone directly states it the fact that this demon has eaten 50 people and is still wandering around the exam grounds is an anomaly yeah. So the fact that Tanjiro beat him is enough to beat anything on this mountain. It is the sense where I I like Demon Slayer's fast pace, but there are times when it cuts too much. And this is the biggest example of that. As for uh, as for the hand demon being an anomaly, it is the punk who's running away. And you know, I know he dies, but he's, like, he's, he's a freaking punk. He abandons Tanjiro to this fight. <laughs> Well, he dies at some other point during the week, which is really another thing about Tanjiro going like, hey, you can't protect him all week. He knew what he was signing up for. Sorry. But the punk says, uh, they never told us demons this strong would be here. 
They never told us demons slightly above the bare minimum. The punk runs away, and the implication is Tanjiro never finds him again. And so when he gets to the end of the final selection, he's like, wow, that guy I saved didn't make it. Holy crap. Yeah, and I liked that moment. Tanjiro immediately jumps into being able to use this stuff at the highest level. Mm -hmm. It feels like it feels too fast. Like normally I'm on board with Demon Slayer's fast pace. This is a case where I feel like there could have been some build up to the final battle instead of, you know, rushing to the boss. Instead of giving two mooks and then immediately going after that guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, fair, so, but it's not the worst problem by it. Before we, we wrap up the training arc, though, can I just say my favorite part is that um, as we learn, demons are really only weak to having their head cut off by a special blade that's magic or whatever. And the fact that this guy's grand strategy was, you don't understand, I evolved more hands to wrap around my neck. Now my neck's too thick to cut. And that's his grand strategy, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's his grand strategy. And it's the ghost kids are commenting on the fight. They're hanging around the boulder, and it's kind of implied they have some sort of telepathic ability to view Tanjiro. Because the boy comments at one point during the fight, it's like, Tanjiro, no, your breathing is uneven. You got to focus. It's like right as Tanjiro is going for the final slash to decapitate the hand demon, uh, Ghost Boy notes that, yeah, no, this demon's neck is uh, disproportionately thick and hard. But also, of all of Orokodaki's students, the boulder that Tanjiro cut is the biggest one. Okay, and also, are we gonna are we gonna note how absolutely absurd the smelling things gets? Tanjiro sees smells, and it's a threat. Yeah, the right? fact that he smells the line for his attack to his opponent is dumb, and uh -huh. I will fight anyone who wants to argue that makes sense. It doesn't. Oh, it's it's dumb. It's dumb, but it's dumb, but I no, love it's it. cool, but it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's mm -hmm. really it's really cool it's really dumb i wouldn't change it but i will join you in that i will fight anyone who says it makes sense tanjiro <laughs> sees smells like i'm yeah. pretty sure that's a disease <laughs> his, it, it is supernal how good his sense of smell is <laughs> he smells the demon scent of his opponent coming so he can dodge attacks that are coming from the ground okay that's kind of crazy he smells the opening thread what? <laughs> I Yeah, okay, sure. Whatever you say, buddy. Or whatever. Just do the thing that everyone else does. Because he he smells the scent of a child as the demon is fading away. Because and Tanjiro recognizes that like the reason why it was hand was because this was a, a little boy who would uh who always wanted to be close to his older brother. The real point here is that sure, they're beyond redemption. Sure, they need to be destroyed for the safety of other regular humans that doesn't make the fact that tanjiro can feel sorry for them and try to make their final moments less scary and painful it doesn't invalidate that yeah no it's tanjiro is good and he's doing what needs to be done but it's okay that he feels sad about that yes which it, again is completely beautiful and i love this manga <laughs> <laughs> so Tan Casey got that lost. Yep. So uh Tanjiro completes the final selection. Only four people survived. Holy crap, that's a immense mortality rate, but apparently it's a lower one for They're very <laughs> happy they got this many. Yeah. We get a bit more setup with Angry Scarboy. I don't even know who the hell he is. 
but he- uh yeah they they set him up like he's going to be a rival and then he doesn't show up again maybe he will later i don't know i don't know either and i watched the anime <laughs> i remember him he's not he he has an entire like shot in the op and he shows up for this and then never again but anyway he really he's just literally just angry Scarboy. angry Scarboy really wants his magic sword uh, he goes to attack one of the proctors. Tanjiro, like, breaks his hand. They get their crows, except a certain zappy boy who gets a sparrow. I did not know that was going to come back. <laughs> yep. And then they all have to pick their orichalcum. I mean, their special sunlight metal. Yeah, it's, hey, take your magic hunk of metal and get out. <laughs> it's on a mountain where it never rains and it's constantly exposed to sunlight, so it absorbs the power of the sun. It, it's orichalcum. <laughs> percent juice it, it's oracalcum <laughs> from exalted okay it's magical sun metal see, see normally i complain about you making exalted references but like the thing is you're absolutely right <laughs> yes so so they pick their hunk of ore you know kind of a harry potter the wand picks the wizard sort of thing uh and they send it off to crazy uh swordsmith man to get made into a weapon there's like a traditional clown mask i think is what that is it's almost like a kazoo for a mouth. It's crazy. We time skip a little more as Tanjiro returns back to Orokodaki's place. Like, hey, boss, I won. And uh, Nezuko's awake. Yay. Yay. And then the problem starts because she's uh, basically a dog now. Yeah, Orokodaki, uh <laughs> hypnotized her while she was asleep. In all fairness, I understand why Orokodaki did it. Yes. I don't think Tanjiro's mm-hmm. happy he did that. Well, he doesn't say he's unhappy, but when it's revealed later that the hypnosis isn't as will erasing as we are, are as we are led to believe, Tanjiro is relieved about that. Yeah. He's like, oh good, Nezuko can still make decisions for herself. Thank God. So I think that might have been a, a, a time where there was a bit of a fallback in writing because the very next arc after this happens we have a scene where it's like no it wasn't as bad as you think it was <laughs> hold on i didn't think it was bad at all like where are you guys what did you guys they're completely erasing her will is the way it's originally implied yeah but it's not erasing See, her will it's making her think that it's yeah it's... like i didn't have that that negative reaction that you all are having so i'm interested and curious as to why you have this negative reaction i mean it kind of made sense to me it actually goes a layer deeper for me because it's not just the hypnosis which is a i mean getting getting hypnotized without you know priorly giving consent to it while you're asleep is creepy and uncomfortable automatically that gives me a negative connotation immediately but it's even more than that. It goes deeper than that because we know what Nezuka's character is like based off of how she's in- introduced originally. The way that she's presented, even if you strip away the hypnosis thing, she's basically treated like a dog at this point. It's not just that she doesn't speak. She doesn't seem like she understands complex things. I get that she's going through a lot of stuff and, and she's trying to fight back the feral demon side. But they don't do a good job of treating her like a person. And I, I don't mean the characters. I mean the story. Mm. Well, that's because they're they're operating off of the premise that once you become a demon, you are a demon and therefore you're no longer human. So, yes, in their eyes, she is a dog. I'm not talking about the characters. I'm talking about the narrative. 
Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. The narrative is now that she's no longer human. She is a dog. That's not good. You're taking away the old, the the human agency of the only major female character. That raises red flags. There are places where they do this awfully. The hypnosis thing is the worst part because that's just like, oh, she's a woman. Just hypnotize her into doing what she. So is it the fact that she happens to be the main and the main protagonist younger sister? What if it was the main protagonist younger brother? Honestly, that would be less creepy because Japan has a problem with not treating women like people. Yes, but you're just you're immediately saying that if the roles were if it was a different gender that you wouldn't have this gut reaction. I wouldn't have no problem with it, but I would have less of a problem with it because Japan does have a and bad. It's disturbing to me because you're basically saying that it's a sexist issue, which I don't disagree with you. But you just said that if it were a younger brother, same situation, you wouldn't have that gut problem. It would be bad, but it would be not as bad. And yes, it is a sexism thing. And here's the thing. Because again, this is the one place where it's like, Demon Slayer, you screwed up. And even insofar as that, it doesn't entirely ruin Demon Slayer for me because the simple fact of the matter is, on the other hand, when it comes to fighting, they treat Nezuko very well. She's not an unkillable badass. She does. She isn't insta-win, but she's really strong. And the series makes a point of when characters try to infantilize her, the story says, no, she can handle herself. But when it comes to herself as a person, the story infantilizes her. She is girl, therefore she must be led around by the hand. And I don't like that. Stop doing that. But is that potentially you reading too much into it? Because just as we said, if it, the, if it was a younger brother, you wouldn't be reading this so much into it. I, I don't. I, I agree with Jake to an extent. I don't think it's reading too much into it. It, the thing about the hypnosis that that messes with my head is it touches on a personal fear I have of not being able to trust your own senses. And like the the thing that Orokidaki does is he hypnotizes her so that she treats all humans as her family. And like on the surface, that's, you know, you know, treat your fellow man as your fellow man. But we see it as she hallucinates other humans as actual members of her dead family. That's extremely invasive. Exactly. It's extremely invasive into her mind. And that just messes with me personally. But do you think that he did that on purpose? Or do you think he just said envision your like your actual family and like and just project that onto these people? I don't or think do he think... had control over that. I don't. That's what I mean. Like, I don't think he has as much control as you guys are perhaps insinuating here because i don't think he actually said you're gonna see that as your younger brother you're gonna see them as your younger sisters and your mother exactly. I'm not, i think i'm not criticizing orokodaki the character i'm same i am criticizing the text of demon slayer I'm, I'm criticizing what the author ended up doing it's the and i believe that it's unintended because they do because the story tries they treat, roll it back immediately the story tries yes. to treat nezuko with respect i don't think that they succeeded in doing that though Honestly, what I think what they were attempting for with the hypnotism angle was they were like, hey, you know how we've established demons kind of go into like a feral dog state? Don't worry, Nezuko's not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's what it's supposed to be. I kind of, but I mean, I appreciated it because it was more true and I don't feel like they babied her to make her as if, oh, she's just a human with demon traits. I appreciated it for that reason. Like, no, this she actually is afflicted with being a that demon. That is a valid interpretation. The way that I 
and I think the way that Jake also perceived it is it took away the opportunity for Nezuko herself as a character to express that and have that arc her and have that arc herself rather than just ah the wise old master did it. It's the equivalent of ah magic did it. Deus Ex Machina and with a character who already literally has lost her voice. So actions are the only thing she has. And now you're taking that away too. Yeah, it's it is the it is the subtext and I believe unintended subtext, but it's the subtext of the way that the story is presented, not any of the character actions. And I think the best way of illustrating why I personally have a problem with it is to suggest a solution. Even if it's just like a Rakudaki being able to read her mind or something like that, find some way to have her express that she chooses to see all humans as her family because she's trying to connect to what little humanity she has left. She chooses to make them her family, and that's why she doesn't go feral. Then she has agency. She has choice. Ah. Uh. I would argue that, that that kind of stuff was already like, and this could be potentially me looking way too much into the anime. I feel like that subtext was already included. That there was a private conversation between her that this is what she wanted. You do get a lot more personality out of Nezuko in the anime. So I... Mm. That, it, at least for me in the anime, it was presented that this was her choice and she understood that that was the only way to make it easier for her. Honestly, I think very much so. It may be a situation where this is an error on the manga's part and they correct it in the anime because yeah. the anime did come out second. So I can only go by what I read in the in the manga and the manga actively infantilizes Nezuko when it doesn't have to, and that needles me. And that's like my one actual problem with Demon Slayer. And this is just me asking a qualifying question. Can Nezuko write still? Is that anywhere? Because I thought... That's another thing. Yeah, I think that there's also the understanding of this is a change that is not only just a physical change, but a psychological change. Maybe she is not capable of writing. Because yeah. she's not Nezuko the person anymore. She's Nezuko the like the emotions so i mean yes that would be ideal but it's one of those things where we wouldn't be able to put ourselves in that situation to understand of what she's actually capable of because maybe you're like well it'd be great if she'd be able to fully consent to that but we don't know what inner turmoil she's currently undergoing where she might just not be capable of that one thing that's sort of important is I don't mind the bamboo gag, even though I could see how someone could have a problem with it of it being fetishistic, but I don't see it that way. Didn't even cross my mind until you said that. I don't see it that way because I do think like the sacrifice of it making it very, very hard for her to communicate. I think that's a good thing for that character to overcome, but having the character be able to communicate that like, it's not a matter of she had to be hypnotized into it. She chooses she makes the choice because again it's also cultural context japan has a very very bad habit of not seeing women as human beings that's a thing and i'm i'm aw- i'm hyper aware when they take a female character and actively remove agency from her that concerns me mm. and that's why that's why it, why i noticed it so strongly and like, again, the hypnosis is the worst example of it, but it's also she doesn't seem to know what's going on around her. She acts like an actual dog. That's not the Nezuko that we were introduced. Like having her be different is one thing, but they don't treat her like an afflicted Nezuko. They treat her like a completely separate dog that follows Tanjiro around. 
I think she is a completely separate person, though, I think is what it is. I don't think it's them treating her. I think she isn't the same. Then why does her brother mean anything to her? Because like emotional connect, emotional resonance, that's not the same thing as she's the same person, though. I, I don't see any of Nezuko in the Nezuko that we see by that point. Yeah, but I mean, I, I kind of have to agree with Matt here in that it's just she feels a connection to this person. She's not exactly sure what it is, but she feels a connection to this person. Like, because what we get from other demons is they don't remember their family. They don't remember anything. It's when they die, they feel like, wait, hold on. What happened to my brother? Did I eat him? And like, that's like a fainting memory at the end. Like whatever turns you into a demon does not keep you the same person, but with demon powers. Yeah, I think there's some residual like personification. Like, I mean, and I, I mean this in the nicest way, like they she still has physical human shape and she has demonstrated that she is fighting this. But there is some residual personification from the audience of her being still human, obviously. And obviously we want in the end for this to be reversed, but it's like a a, a tug of war between she has human form, but she's not really human anymore. I agree with that. And I think that it was handled poorly. Okay. Because I think that it turns her into a dog, which is not something that I'm okay with because she's a person. That's the whole point of the story. Yeah. But that's your what you're arguing, because in any other circumstances, if she was not following him, she would be a demon. Full stop. Not a person. She would be beheaded and killed. So I hear what you're saying, but I'm saying the only reason why Netsuko is special, the only reason why we oh, are not, attached not to her is because... Not the only reason why Netsuko is special. We'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> I love my girl, but I'm just saying that, like, why she stands out is because she is given this specific, this very, very unusual circumstance. So the probably maybe the only reason why it sticks out is because it is so unusual. If she were treated like any other female demon, you know, would you necessarily feel the same way? Or is it just because there's a there is a familiar connection there? that this was his little sister. You're looking at it from the perspective of the universe. I'm talking about the real world uh, subtext of it. So uh, Tanjiro gets his first mission from his crow. Oh, he also gets the box. Yes, he gets the, the Nezuko backpack. The never worry about Nezuko dying in the sunlight. Here's a magic box that's super hard and durable. And extremely light. There's a lot of parts in this scene that's just like, here's a bunch of narrative things that we don't want to deal with. Yeah. And I can respect that. Me too. Cool. Like, like mm -hmm. you probably get some like concerns that pop up like, oh, what if Nezuko accidentally runs into sunlight? Like a bunch of things that in this like little bit where he's going out on his first mission, they basically just go, don't worry about that. That's not happening in this narrative. Don't worry about that. That's not happening in this narrative. Let's go. Yep. And cool. Very utilitarian, very hard on its sleeve. She protect, she attack, and she fit in backpack. <laughs> the crow informs Tanjiro that there is a town where young women have been disappearing. And we get a scene. Uh, a guy is walking home with his fiance. And all of a sudden, she gone. She gone. She gone. She gone away. <laughs> she gone away and she dead now. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I mean, I was referencing a song. <laughs> I, I know. I know. <laughs> but um, 
Tanjiro arrives in town, finds the fiance. He's all despondent because uh, where did she go? She disappeared. You know, he gets the story about what's going on. Kind of skips straight to our monster of the week as night falls and the, de the demon is striking again. And Tanjiro's super sniffer saves the day, allowing him to show up and save the latest girl who would have become a victim of this thing. Yeah, his super sniffer that now not only lets him sniff underground, but into dark dimensions outside of reality. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let him just sense chi, all right? There's no reason to do nope, this. Nope, he smell smells thing. it. <laughs> what, is, what is this bog anyway? It's like, okay, I know we, we shouldn't like delve too deeply into the nuts and bolts of the blood demon art, but like the guy has like access to an alternate pseudo water dimension underneath the ground i think it i think it literally is he has a magic bog that he can open portals into like it is actually yeah. literally just a bog. and there's also three of them are those three separate demons that shared a demon art or did he split into three bodies i wasn't three bodies okay. it, it, one demon three bodies yeah it's it's one because tanjiro makes a point of noting i i see three bodies but only one demon it must be a demon that split into three which is a thing they can do. <laughs> it's a thing they can do because later on also one of the bodies is fighting Nezuko. It's a really bizarre line and and I don't want to say it's very Demon Slayer because this is this is just one of those moments where you just kind of tilt your head. Oh, the Demon Slayer has killed my other two bodies. Like that sentence doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're either all connected to one or you're three separate. Like you wouldn't. <laughs> the phrasing's <It's> weird. <laughs> Are you three separate entities or are you one being in three bodies? Yes. And basically, there's not a lot of plot to this. It's basically this demon's just been kidnapping a lot of 14 year old girls. 16. A oh, 16? Yeah. Okay. 16. Yeah. No, no, no. Below 16. 16 is when they're when they're ruined. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the expiration date. And they just get grotier from there. They're ripest right as they turn 16, but at any amount past that, they start to. They start to sour or whatever. Nothing creepy or sexist about that right there. Oh, boy. Oh, man, the cre the creepy murder demon. Is <laughs> <laughs> this is very much a case where you're supposed to dislike the. Yeah, you're supposed to dislike the guy. So, of course, he's completely awful. <laughs> yeah, we get revealed like he's got a little pocket that just has a bunch of girls hair clips and there's a lot of hair clips in there. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's like only a couple in this town because he recently got there because he decimated the that would have the next to town over or whatever. That yeah. would have to be it or unless this town is is used to be a lot bigger than it seems to be and now is only the size it seems to be, which is kind of weird. Or coincidentally. <laughs> All the children in this town were 14 to 15 year old girls. Yeah, <laughs> I believe. It. So we get uh, and yeah, this is essentially a monster of the week moment to demonstrate more of Tanjiro's power and some of the crazy blood demon arts that we're going to see. It sort of it sort of sets it up like it's like this uh, Demon Slayer is an anthology series. Now, here is, you know, Tanjiro wandering into this generic no name town. Mm -hmm. I, I personally love the fight with Tanjiro and the two bodies of the bog demon in the bog because mm -hmm. it, it is a uh i'm not trapped in here with you you're trapped in here with me moment because it's like the demon is going haha there's almost no air down here how are you gonna do your breathing techniques demon slayer and there's two of me and i can swim freely and tanjo is just like whirlpool cut yep <laughs> <laughs> chops him up like meat in a blender it's beautiful 
Yeah, so far we really haven't had challenged Tanjiro since his training, have we? Because even the hand demon, he kind of revealed he could have beat him. The the hand demon had less of a physical threat and more of an emotional one because mm -hmm. of revealing, hey, your friends were actually ghost kids the entire time and I killed them. And that, you know, threw him off mentally. I just love the brave face Tanjiro puts on through all of the bog demon art because he's just like, uh -huh. man, all these women keep getting kidnapped and eaten. That's a lot of women. <laughs> that's a that's Jeez. a that's, um, that's a lot of people. I should finish you off quickly. I'm not sure how to process this right now. <laughs> as cutthroat as all the training is, the training is so cutthroat because they want to prepare the people going out to be demon slayers. It's not like the demon slayer society is actively trying to kill its members. So they're sending Tanjiro against someone that they have a reasonable expectation that he can actually stop. Yeah both from the perspective of the audience watching the story and also from Tanjiro's perspective, this is his first outing. He has to see this is what my new normal is. I need to show that I can handle it and that this is e as easy as it needs to be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very establishing thing and it does a good job of that. Uh, so he beats the bog demon. Uh, Nezuko beats up one of the other bodies and they interrogate the last body about, you know, uh, can we turn the demon back into a human? And he's like, I won't tell you about Kibatsuji Muzan. What? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty funny. That, that was fun. Tanjiro is the one who actually asks about Muzan and the demon. Obviously, it's established. They capture some of the demons alive. That's how they get on the mountain. So like the demon was like potentially legitimately considering surrender until Tanjiro said, tell me about Muzan, at which point the demon freaks out and and I can't tell you, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, which he which it continues screaming as it lunges at Tanjiro, forcing him to finish it off. Yeah. yeah. So the sun rises, Nezuko goes back in the box and the and Tanjiro's like, man, sucks about your fiance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this this scene's real like cut and dry because Tanjiro just going like. I understand you've lost a lot. I've lost a lot, too. I don't know how to process your problems right now, though. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go. I've got more Demon Slayer stuff. I think it's very honest and upfront because then it's also like you don't understand what I've gone through. I just lost my fiance and you're just some dumb kid. And then he's like, I understand you've lost a lot. And then like he comments on Tanjiro's hands. He's like, oh, crap. He's not a young kid. He's... He is a yeah and i i love this scene for tanjiro because this is one of the best examples of people don't just like tanjiro because he's the main character and everyone has to like the main character because that sells manga and or anime and or light novels no tanjiro is actually so eminently likable and very specifically because he is so willing to empathize with anyone and everyone because it's kind of understandable from the perspective of the the fiance where it's like you have no idea what i went through you're just some random swordsman who wandered through town and killed this demon that doesn't bring my fiance back everyone think i thinks i killed her or something my life is awful and you can never understand what i've been through and then Tanjiro doesn't even like explain his story because he knows telling this guy that isn't going to help him. But he just he says, I understand where you're coming from. And he hands the um, the collection of hair clips. I hope something from your fiance is in this and I wish you the best. You know, I understand what you've been through and, you know, this is all I can give you. Understanding that like those are the hands of a warrior and everything like that. Like he's not just some random swordsman who wandered through that, you know, yeah, yeah. he's been through a lot. 
I think I think it's super interesting that you got that deep of a read on it, but I think possibly because all of this happens like at the end of a chapter, it felt rushed to me. So I read it as I want to go to my next mission now. I genuinely care about because Tondro is a good boy. He genuinely can care Sarah, but I also got a vibe of like, I, I don't know how to deal with this. I'm gonna go. <laughs> Which I think is a fair reading. You're right. He does kind of do that, but at the same time. He does earnestly want to do whatever he can. Like, he just can't do that much. Like, what is he going to do? Is he going to sit down and have a long power with this guy? It's not going to help. I him. did yeah. the thing I can do that will help you. I'm I'm sorry. That's not what you need right now, mm. which is honestly what it is. It's like, I can't yeah. actually help you. I but, got revenge for you, but that didn't actually fix any of your problem. I, I think it is fair to say that it's it's it is very brief where he just here's here's the best I can do by. Even that is enough to at least begin the healing process for this poor kid. And even if, you know, Tanjiro can't undo the damage that was done, he at least left the place behind with a hope for something brighter. And the best part about that is he can't even stay around to help that guy because the second the demon's dead, his crow starts yelling at him to do more work. Hey, go to Tokyo! <laughs> What? Go to Tokyo! These people don't get to go to bed and rest. It's yeah. immediately... Also, can we can we talk about... Jake, I know you mentioned earlier the demon-slaying organization doesn't actively try and get its members killed. Sent Tanjiro to Tokyo, where I think the only demon is Michael Jackson. <laughs> well, there's there's at least five demons in the immediate area. One of them is Muzan. Yeah. All of them are way outside Tanjiro's power level, yes. <laughs> well, not really, because the two that he does fight aren't. Uh, that's true. Well, kind, actually, no, they are kind of out of his power level, because he needs the help of... Um... Tommy. Well, that's, that's getting ahead of it. Yeah, well... But, like, the other thing about them not being able to go to bed... It's not that Demon Slayer is bad at tracking time. It's that Demon Slayer doesn't care about time. We don't know how far he was from Tokyo... Everything else that happened isn't necessarily in the Tokyo area. Like, they're going to send people who are at least semi-local. But, like, not everybody's a demon slayer. People have to travel a wide area. So it's very much likely that, you know, go to Tokyo. Now, he's going to have, like, a couple of days where he'll be able to rest in between as he's traveling. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I meant the fact that the crow tells you what your next job is the second a demon's dead. Yeah. The second they notice that demon has died, you are sent another assignment. So uh, Tanjiro arrives and poor Country Bumpkin goes into the big city for the first time and is completely overwhelmed. Which is fun because this is when we actually get like revealed the time period this fully takes place in, which is fun because this is when uh, Japan was getting rid of like uh, sword carrying and was putting electricity and like trains. and all. It's a very interesting period of uh, Japanese um, history that mm -hmm. isn't normally mythologized. Like, I think we got Roroni Kenshin, but Roroni Kenshin actually takes place a little bit before this is mainstream. This takes place more in the era itself. This is like kind of the Meiji Restoration, isn't it? Or am I misremembering? No, it's, it's, yeah, it's the Meiji Restoration, or Meiji. I'm not sure which it is. Uh, I'm not sure which is the correct pronunciation. Yeah. Roni Kenshin <laughs> takes place when the eras were changing. This is taking place fully within the, the era. Yeah. Mm. Tundro arrives in the big city. Our poor soft boy has a panic attack. <laughs> yeah, he has to run to some random back alley and hang out with an udon cart man <laughs> in order to calm down. See, I like it's a bad thing. I mean, Udon Cartman, <laughs> is, Udon Cartman is a uh, best side character. Yes. <laughs> you need to eat all my noodles. 
<laughs> I, I don't care about you not paying. It's the fact that you're not eating my noodles. It's insulting. Yes, dude. And Nezuko's just... just like, I can't eat the noodles. I got this gag in. <laughs> Which is why I liked the the um, author thing at the end of that uh, chapter was Nezuko got to eat the Before uh, Tanjiro can even begin his bowl of udon, uh, he smells the same scent from that day and chases after Muzan's smell into a crowd, and we meet Demon Michael Jackson! The strongest progenitor of demons. Yeah, the, the first demon... The smoothest of criminals. The first demon, the strongest demon, the progenitor of their species, and he he looks like MJ. He's the king of pop. <laughs> Which, I don't know what to make of that. Like, was he just genuinely inspired by MJ, or is there some kind of conspiracy going on? Yeah, his hat looks so out of place. More than anything else, he should not have that hat. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's like Matt mentioned. This is, you know, part of Jap uh, Japan's modernization is this yeah. time period, and Muzan is very much trying to blend in as a human. So it kind of makes sense that he would just completely embrace, you know western culture the changing times, the changing times yeah. in order to appear as the most human man who ever did human but that makes it more suspicious because it's like no one's that human <laughs> i know <laughs> he's, he's too human i i think that tips fedora i think that that's kind of a bit of subtle characterization of like how disconnected he actually is from humanity even when he's trying to play the part he does it poorly intentionally bad acting mm -hmm. He's trying to blend in so hard. He's he's sticking I out. I think it's also a part of the thing. Like he himself isn't trying to blend in because, as we get like revealed immediately after the scene, he's got a lot of things going on that keep him in the shadows. Him personally blending in is the smallest percentage of that. That it barely matters. Yeah, because it's implied like the police all listen to him. Mm -hmm. Like everything he controls so the fact that he's walking around with his human wife and human child did he sire that child that's what i was wondering this entire time like even when i was watching the anime i'm like wait how does this work is that a half demon baby did he just take a kid i don't did know did he just take a kid did he just take a kid did he did he pay this woman is he holding her hostage i don't know well, i mean like if he she seems to genuinely like him. See, the thing about the police, uh, the thing about the police listening to him, the impression I got was that, like, he's like a, a business mogul. Like, he has money. No, that's what I'm saying. He has power. Yeah, but that's why I'm still like... No, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's secret demon overlord and the police are all secretly demons. I'm saying he has... Money and influence. He used demons to gather soft power. Mm. And now he's in a place where realistically he could walk around being this he could be the sketchiest like loser in the world he could have a shirt that said i'm a demon on it that wouldn't matter because of the amount of groundwork he's you don't understand if he had that that'd be too human so immediately i would assume that you're right if i saw a guy with a t-shirt that said i'm a demon in the meiji era i'd be like that's a normal guy <laughs> too human so Tanjiro runs up to him screaming, Keep it, Sushi Mujan, you killed my family, prepare to die! Oh my god, can we just admire the guts on Tanjiro? Every single person he's talked to about this person has said, you are not ready to fight him in any way, any form. Everything is terrified of him. Uh-huh. Yep. Every demon slayer is like, if we 
if we ever found him, we would drop every high level guy we had on him at the same time. And even then, we're not sure we'd pull it off. And he just walks up, sword out, put him up, thought, let's go. 1v1 me. 1v1 me. Which kind of goes into uh, Tanjiro's uh, character flaw. It's not that he empathizes with everyone and everything. His character flaw is that he just tries to go fix the thing. Take down the final boss in disc one, yeah. His plan is, his plan was literally, I smelled this guy. I'm going to murder this human looking person in the center of a crowd of people. He d He doesn't have a plan. They haven't really established why or how Muzan could potentially cure someone. Maybe they need him alive. Mm -hmm. Tanjiro doesn't know. Going up to this guy and just saying square up thought is an awful, awful idea. Like ask him how to cure a demon. He doesn't even mention that. No, I'm going to fight him. He, he goes up to him like, Kibitsuji Muzan, you killed my family. Prepare to die. And Muzan, you know, plays it off in his human guise. Like, who the hell is it? His wife asks, do you know this kid? I've never seen him before. It's really weird, isn't it? <laughs> like he, He's even like, this is really weird, yeah, isn't it? He like treats Tanjiro as a random demon slayer. So he creates another demon in the middle of the crowd in order to cause a distraction to get away. With superhuman speed. I love that panel of him. Because this guy's just walking, suddenly has his throat torn out. And it's like, what the fuck? No, it's the back of his neck. Oh, right, right. Yeah, and like, it's he just falls over. He just falls over, becomes a demon, and bites his wife. And so Tanjiro now has to deal with this thing, so Muzan walks away. And Tanjiro is screaming at, at his back. Again, everyone thinks it's just a random kid yelling at a random dude. Kibitsuji Muzan, you know where you can go. You will be safe from me. I'll follow you into hell itself. And Muzan looks back like, okay, kid, whatever you say. And he notices Tanjiro's earrings. No, not the Hanafuda earrings. I had forgotten about them by that point. <laughs> I thought it was just a cool character quirk, but it's like, no, apparently these are super important because we get a flash. It's it's a two panel flashback. Yeah, I was not particularly clear on that. Manga only reader over here was not particularly clear on what the hell was going on I, with I that. I think it's like a two. Okay, you remember in Helsing how uh, Alucard had that dream flashback to when Van Helsing defeated him? I interpreted it as something like that because he's afraid of someone who very clearly wasn't Tanjiro wearing those earrings. He puts two and two together. He's like, this is and like, I don't even know. I've seen the anime that goes further than this. I don't even know what the significance of the earrings are. Hold on a second. Someone grabbed me my tinfoil hat. I thought you were already wearing it. Yeah. A fair point. These earrings are unique enough that Muzan noticed them, which means they're not just something that you could get at a jewelry store. And we established that it was weird. That this guy that Tanjiro already knew told him not to go back to his house on the day his family was slaughtered by demons and, and his sister was turned into. It's also weird that um, big bad Michael Jackson personally went to some like not even village in the middle of nowhere, some random shack. A random house in the in the middle of a forest that's like a day's hike away. From, a near from the nearest mm -hmm. town. It gets more and more suspicious the more you think about it. There's a plot point later on that might explain some of this. It Not enough for me to like fully understand, but I don't want to bring it up because it's in the anime and not what we read. But yeah, uh, tinfoil hat's definitely on for the... It's, it's 
strange. There's something going on here. After he has that revelation, though, we get the scene of his wife just casually walking away from this gruesome murder in progress. <laughs> yeah. They leave before the before the newly turned demon is restrained. Yeah, like, that demon murdered a person. Uh, no, he didn't. He attacked someone. He attacked his wife. Uh, Tanjiro managed to stop him before she was fatally injured. Uh, Tanjiro is like, no, wait, don't take this guy. I need, you're not, he's yelling at the police officers. You're not qualified to deal with this guy. I can restrain him. And then uh, Lady Tamiyo shows up. Yep, Lady Lady Tamiyo and Simpkun. Ah, <laughs> uh, Simpkun. Simpkun. Oh, God, I hate him so much. Oh, I love him. I love him. <laughs> yeah, I love he's him. Great. He is a true. I I love hating Simkun. I'll put I, it that I, I, way. You're right, Jake. You're right. <laughs> I love hating him. <laughs> Some of my favorite panels are him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Lady Tamiyo. <laughs> I Lady... will say it's a little bit ridiculous sometimes because there will just be random asides where it's like an actual sequence break. Well, it will just have him be like mentally simping to mm -hmm. himself. Just random panel in the middle of actual dialogue. And it's like, it's like this serious conversation that just gets broken up for, ooh, Lady Tamiyo is so pretty. It's like, why are you inserting yourself into the meta narrative here? This doesn't make sense. I think she's very pretty. I'm sure she'll be even more yes. pretty tomorrow. That Tanjiro kid brought some weird dog in here. <laughs> God. And so Lady Tamiyo has a blood demon art of her own. She can, her blood unleashes a hypnotic scent, which honestly, I wish we saw more of because that's sick as hell. Yeah, it's a pretty good demon art. She claws her own arm open and she can cause hallucinations in people. It's like midnight, but less creepy and sexual yeah i mean it's more creepy because of the blood aspect it's just less sexual yeah yeah fair fair enough fair enough yeah so lady tommy i was like hey uh we're demons too but we're totally good guys uh go get your sister and come meet up with us in our super secret hideout and we'll do some we'll do some exposition meanwhile udon man is yelling at nezuko why aren't you eating my noodles and tanjiro being tanjiro is like well you have said one thing to me i will trust you intrinsically <laughs> yes well, everyone who offers to help him has been a good person, you know? So, I mean, Fair. that is true. Cause it's like, cause again, it's, it's that weird juxtaposition of like everybody lies to him, but there are people who genuinely have his back. In all fairness, the majority of demons would really feel no need to like trick a human being. Like there's, yeah, there is literally no reason that would be your hunting strategy. Yeah, because you can just directly overpower anyone who isn't already a demon slayer anyway. If you're getting that close to a demon slayer, you've won the fight. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> So uh, my favorite panel happens where uh, Tanjiro returns to the Udon cart and he sees Udon man yelling uh, all insulted about how Nezuko isn't eating his noodles. And with the most deadly serious expression <laughs> on his face, takes the bowl... <laughs> slurps up the entire thing in one panel and he's like it was very delicious thank you <laughs> and that solves the conflict <laughs> i also like how the the udon salesman is like you know what is that what is that bamboo gag even for does it have chopsticks in it? it's like yes i don't know <laughs> she's wearing that so she can eat udon more effectively <laughs> you got it you, you did it dude so anyway, uh, Simpkun shows up uh, in 
insults Nezuko's appearance because no can, nobody can be as pretty as Lady Tamiyo. She's the best girl. Lady Tamiyo, you're right. Yeah, yeah I, he she is she is the queen. She is she is she's pretty cute. Yeah, but uh, Tanjiro. And- oh man, that, that hurt you to say, didn't it, Sam? <laughs> wow. I had to agree with Simpkun, and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to I agree did. with Simpkun. <laughs> <laughs> so Tanjiro enters full angry older brother mode and he's just like my sister was the gem of our village you get back here I will kick your ass if you don't take that back because it's like there's the murder of his family and then Simkun over here insulting Nezuko's appearance are like the only times he gets genuinely angry <laughs> no because you can insult him all you want but don't you dare say that Nezuko isn't the beauty of our village <laughs> which is <laughs> It's it's so very Tanjiro. He's, I know. he's so wholesome. I love him. And I love wholesome Tanjiro because Tanjiro in the cover art is not always wholesome Tanjiro. It's weird. <laughs> Tanjiro and Nezuko poses in the cover art are sometimes okay. <laughs> are thankfully something that's not in the text of the story. Yeah. Yay! I know, but it's no, super there weird. Is no incestuous stuff in this at all, which, you know, bless up. None of that. Yay! And then some of the poses in the cover art happen. And I'm like, most of what? Like most of the cover art poses are them like caressing each other. And I'm like, grace today in an actively suggestive way. Like not a way you would hold your sister. It's weird. But we, uh, we arrive at, we arrive at the super secret hideout. Where Lady Tamiya was like, "Yes, I am a demon, but I am a I am a doctor, and I uh, have used my doctor powers to alter my demon biology. So I only need to drink donated blood in order to uh, live." Well, specifically, she said something along the lines of she surgically removed the curse placed by Michael Jackson. Yes, because uh, Muzan places a curse on all the demons he creates where if you speak my name, you will be destroyed. It's also implied the curse does other yeah. things, but the main proponent of it is the secret. Yeah, and like the curse is where a lot of the feral nature of the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you you turn into an inhuman monster that only takes orders because that's what he wants you yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we get a lot of talk about the nature of demons from Lady Tamiyo, which is, you know, yeah, it's good exposition. And uh, meanwhile, Muzan is like, I got to deal with that guy in the Hanafuda earrings. What's that? Random punks in an alleyway? You insult my complexion? Perish. (laughs) I love that scene because it's very clearly, ah, yes, we just had our main villain, but he wasn't allowed to fight due to other things. Let's put him in an alleyway to do some fighting so everyone can know how cool he is. He backhands a guy. He backhands a guy killing him. Someone... He backhands the guy through a brick uh-huh. wall. Someone else comes up to confront him about this. He kicks the guy in the sternum and sends him into the stratosphere. Yeah, he goes higher than the three-story buildings. I, on think both sides. Him, I think he kicks him in the head because I'm pretty sure he both decapitates him and sends both the head and the body above the three-story building. You might building. be right. I, I don't remember the panel very clearly, except the impact. There is some chunk of him that is coming off by the time he reaches what I assume is the apex, but I don't know for sure. I can't remember from the manga, but I'm pretty sure the anime has the fight scene and then the dude's head falls down in like a silent bit. Yeah. And then Muzan hee-hees and stabs, stabs <laughs> the last person. 
stabs the last person through the head with a finger and is like, I could turn you into a demon, but if I give you too much demon blood, you'll explode. What does that mean? And then they explode. Yeah, the, uh, the finger to the forehead is pretty extra. It's not the most extra way I've seen uh, of someone uh, like killing with like thing through the forehead. But uh, we haven't quite gotten to that point in Dragon Ball yet. This is a close second, though. Muzan summons two of his goons and he's like, find the guy with the Hanafuda earrings. Bring me his head. God, everything about Muzan simultaneously makes me giggle and also terrifies me, which I think <laughs> which I think is the like best kind of villain. I, I think that's also on purpose. Like, I don't think he's supposed to be incredibly terrifying because we get told over and over again, especially in the exposition. This person is a coward. Oh, yeah. yeah. he He's very obviously. Uh, I know we haven't done Jojo's Bizarre Adventure yet on this here uh, podcast, but he is Diavolo up and down. He is doing everything to gain power in order to isolate himself from the scary world outside. Just for uh, any uh, listeners in the future, uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure was unfortunately the episode that we had to fire Sam from the podcast because all his audio was unusable. Oi, oi. Anyway, there are villains that like are cool and you're supposed to admire like stain you're supposed to think stain is cool you're supposed to understand that he's wrong and he's you know he's you know doing bad things and he needs to be stopped etc etc having like a bit of admiration for the devil in that you know sense like you know there are some villains that are built to be cool muzan is only not pathetic because he is so physically powerful well not just physically he's done a lot of work that gives him a lot of clout it's the fact that he still has that mentality of like being a scared rat in a cage yeah despite the fact he has built all of this for himself is what He's not evolved beyond that mentality. Yeah, and 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 sort of like following along with that, like he only has what he has because he used brute strength. He's not a genius. He's not ultra charismatic. He's a brute and he used his physical strength to acquire shields to put around himself because he is ultimately a coward he's the kind of villain you want to see lose because he's such a loser i don't know if we can say he's not charismatic because he he definitely has to have some level of charisma because he does have people around him who support him not because he's a demon like because he wouldn't tell those people he's a demon because that's another avenue to attack him like Mm. He clearly has control other than everyone is afraid of him is what I'm trying to get across. That's true. But also, I don't think if he wasn't as powerful as he was, he would be able to get any followers at all. Um, he used his strength to parlay. I, I don't know if we've seen enough of him to make that. that that's fair, this, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, from what I've seen, like he clearly has hidden in human society well, and he's incredibly powerful. I don't think that's enough to go on to get a full view of his character, which, again, he's the main villain. Obviously, we shouldn't know everything about him right away when he's clearly he's clearly seven steps up the ladder here. We're not. We spent a lot of time establishing it was really stupid for Tanjiro to even consider making his presence known, much less actually attacking him. Yeah. Oh, no, I know when I watched this episode in the anime, I'm like, dude, this is episode four or something. (laughs) 
<laughs> Lady Tamiyo mentions that there are uh, 12 demon generals called the Kizuki or the demon moons, depending on your translation, which are the ones that have the greatest share of Muzan's blood and are the most powerful compared to him. You have to be able to at least fight a Kizuki in order to be even close to fighting him. Yeah, it's it's very much set up that like that's the gauntlet of bosses that Tanjiro has to work his way through before he gets to Yeah. Yeah, it's episode it, it's episode 1 of Kill a Kill. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's give me your 12 bosses I need to fight. Shonen. Like this is very very standard shonen. Give us a bunch of enemies who are like the generals of the demon lord. Fight through those. Yeah. I'm going to skip straight to the swerve here, but the swerve in this that I really liked is that the mooks that Muzan sends after them at the super secret hideout, they proclaim themselves, or at least ball girl proclaims herself to be one of the 12 Kisaki. And so uh, Tanjiro is like, ah, the super big bad guys that we have to fight. The fight happens. Our heroes prevail. And then Tamiyo is like, yeah, no, they're not the 12 Kisaki. What? They didn't have the marks on their eyes. That's how you know that they're one of them. But I broke every bone in my body fighting <laughs> Arrow Man. What do you mean they're not the 12 Kizuki? Yeah, no, they were too weak. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that's sort of important to remember, uh, I think, is that Arrow Man only did any damage to Tanjiro when he was already about to die. It, it's relatively obvious that Arrow Man is not um, one of the Kizuki. Ball Girl convinces you that she is until it's revealed that, oh, wait, no, she isn't. Yeah. Because well, she's very, very strong relative to what we've seen up to this point. In all fairness, though, Arrow Man would have beaten Tanjiro because he just couldn't see the arrows. He couldn't smell them for some reason. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was only when uh, Simp-kun lent Tanjiro his demonic sight that he was able to see the, uh, the arrows and effectively fight back. Good, th good thing he had that talisman ready to just throw on. <laughs> <laughs> Though, yeah, um, I forget what the actual name of them is called, but uh, Ball Girl, her choice in weapon is a ball made out of leftover silk. And she uses that to batter down walls and decapitate people. And rips off um, Nezuko's leg. <laughs> yeah, like she's doing that with a ball made out of silk. So she is ludicrously powerful and she's not even one of the like mini bosses you need to, in order to be able to even begin to think about facing Muzan. I mean, in all fairness, though, from a reader's perspective, you should have some inkling that something's up here that he would send two of his generals <laughs> immediately after getting introduced. There are 12 of these. Two of them will fight you at once. Like, that's a little overkill. <laughs> why would you do that narratively is the thing like you you've basically yeah. established oh well in order for it to be a threat you need to send at least two if not <laughs> yeah it, it almost seems like muzan has read the evil overlords list where <laughs> you know you find the hero and you unleash overwhelming power on them right away that's sort of the interesting thing because um we're not given context for how important the earrings are. It's like, I kind of got pretty early on that the arrow guy wasn't actually one of them. But the reason why I'm I'm sort of thinking, hmm, what if it, you know, what if Ball Girl is, though, is because 
since we don't have any context for how important the Hanafuda earrings are, maybe someone with those earrings is important enough that you do immediately send a general mm -hmm. or two to stop them before that before the situation gets out of control. Yeah, it's surprising but not unexpected that they were fake generals. Mm -hmm. It's not even they were fake generals. They were just lying. <laughs> like yeah. yeah. Or it, it's the implied all girl thought she was. Yeah, it's implied that Muzan lied to them. Ah, well, that sounds about right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I got to say, we're, we're kind of skipping ahead here. Like I said, we went straight to the swerve, but I a lot of the fight is is pretty standard shown and stuff. It like it's it's amazing. Check it out. It's really good. But talking about it doesn't really do it any and justice because yeah. it's it's mostly just shown. And stuff. I think it's so good, but it has the one part that I I, I felt like was a misstep. And it's when um, Nezuko just regrows her leg back. And it's just like, I gave her healing herbs, but they weren't good enough to do that. She must have wanted to be strong. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. Nezuko is super special. I get it. But it, it's like we kind of already knew that. But like, yeah, uh, I, it, it was it was neither here nor there for me. I just enjoyed the fact Nez that Nezuko engaged in the bloodiest game of kickball ever. I, I think it's because the more special you make Nezuko, the less meaningful it makes Tanjiro's compassion. Because if Nezuko is only doing this because she's super special, then demons are inherently bad and Nezuko is an outlier, which I think is even worse than having all demons be like having the example that's good is worse than having them just all be bad because at least that point, you know, oh, it's not their fault. I kind of agree with that because like the leg growing back thing, I feel was a bit egregious because it's like. The reason why it was done from a structural perspective is we need to establish how terrifyingly powerful it is. So let's rip off Nezuko's leg, even though she has demon strength. OK, that's fine. But then you write yourself into a corner because if Nezuko's missing a leg, she can't really participate anymore. Mm -hmm. The thing I did like relative to that, and I, I wish that this got emphasized more than the leg growing back thing, is the idea that Nezuko hasn't eaten anybody, but is still able to have enough strength to go toe to toe with a strong uh, demon. Like, that is much closer to the whole giving her some actual agency thing. You know, that's not that's not someone hypnotizing her into being. Oh, fairness. At the aftermath of this fight, we do get the at least uh, implication that Nezuko herself is using the hypnotism as a like crutch to help her deal with like her demon urges because it's revealed she made the decision to have it affect these two demons as well. Yeah. Like she has the agency to. That's what I implied earlier when I said that uh, Tanjiro is relieved to know that Nezuko has a measure of control over the hypnosis. And that also, you know, alleviated some of it for me. <laughs> because, again... More of that, please. Yeah, more of... And less of, less of before. More of that, please. Because again, it, and this is a very, this is a personal thing. The idea of someone invading my psyche and and altering the way I can perceive the world is absolutely existentially terrifying. Yeah, I, I think what this scene does is it takes it back a notch from being like weird, like mind control to like helping someone quit smoking by mm -hmm. like mm. you. We forcibly cause you to associate like, oh, those things aren't like steaks you can eat. Those are things you care about. The, the psychic nicotine patch. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. This is very actively walking back the thing that is 
Honestly, the one part of Demon Slayer that I can't really defend at the same I, time. I have you know, no evidence like, of this, but I would not be surprised if there were some angry letters to Shonen Jump after that chapter. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that reaction at all. Honestly, Demon Slayer does a better job of have it, like making Nezuko good than a lot of shows because, you know, there are plenty of shows that use the excuse of Nezuko hasn't eaten anybody to turn her into, into a damsel to be rescued. And it doesn't do that, which puts it above a lot of other shows, not just in Japan, but in general. Yeah. There's a lot of shows that fall into that trap. Ultimately, Nezuko good. We love Nezuko. And I, I got to say, because I am I have a huge bump of trickster heroes. Uh, I should have phrased that better, especially considering I'm talking about <laughs> Lady Tamiyo. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, um, so gonna like... okay Simkun. Yeah. <laughs> um, the way that uh, Ball Girl is actually defeated because, you know, Nezuko gets a leg removed in the battle. Tanjiro has multiple broken bones and has completely exhausted himself with using the total concentration breathing too much. So it's down to Tamiyo and Simkun in order to defeat Ball Girl, who seems to just be, you know, ready to keep going. Well, like they say, uh, if two demons are ever to fight, it's essentially worthless because they can't kill each other. They're just going to keep pounding each other into mush and then reforming. Yeah. The thing is, Nezuko is still up and ready to fight. She's she's not lost or anything. The situation is looking bad because of the outside circumstances. So that's when Lady Tamiyo pulls out her uh, trump card. Yeah, her blood demon art, which it doesn't just cause illusions. She can have it uh, effectively be a truth serum. And she phrases a question that makes Ball Girl have to say Muzan's name. And the curse rips her apart in the most doom way ever. <laughs> <laughs> giant hands and arms come out of her mouth yeah she vomits hands that reach around from that position to rip her to pieces it's not pleasant oh, it's disgusting but it's so metal and that is how the day was won I, i'm not sure if it was before the attack or after but tommy was like yeah if you can get me some of the actual 12 kizuki blood uh, I can, I should be able to combine that with Nezuko's blood to make an anti-demon cure. Yeah, it, it really just gets tacked on. It's just like, hey, here's your demon. Here's your uh, shonen protagonist quest. Go get me some blood from the 12 demon moon. Oh, God, it's a fetch quest. No. <laughs> Which also, as we saw with one of those demons die, um, how is Tanjiro expected to get their blood? Because after he kills them, they dissolve into dust. They vaporize, yeah. yeah. I don't understand what his goal it's, is supposed to be. It. I think it's implied that he has to, like, draw some blood in the course of the fight and then yeah. finish them off. He has to incapacitate them with, with enough time to draw the sample before he officially finishes them off. Which would be amazing if he did that at all in the fight he... And, and like we know that the body can survive a while even after the de after the decapitation because like arrow guy gets his head lopped off and still nearly kills tanjiro in his death throes which lasts a f which lasts nearly like a full minute in universe i think the what it what it seems to me is that it's setting up is the idea that what lady tamio expects him to do is to capture a demon intact draw the blood and then kill them while they're defenseless which is something that tanjiro would just never do i don't know about i think tanjiro would execute a demon 
I don't think he's naive enough to think that if he let one go, it wouldn't like if it's one that has been killing people. I don't think he would let one go. I, I know what you're getting at, Jake. It's kind of like in the fight we kind of skipped over at the way station where Tanjiro didn't want to bash the head in of the demon that they had been fighting mm. there. He he doesn't really have enough cold bloodedness le- uh, yet to to just execute one who has been made helpless. And he was like, no, that's stupid. Shing. Yeah, that is where our uh, reading draw, uh, drew to a close. Admittedly, there was another scene where we were introduced to one zappy boy, but we didn't get much more than him clinging to a girl's skirts and screaming, please marry me. Well, we, we get Tanjiro sent off on his next mission. And at the end of like on the road there, he runs into blonde haired kid from the demon slaying trials. So you should recognize the character i didn't even realize it was the same character i didn't even realize it they're very distinct character designs so i'm i'm not a hundred percent sure why i wasn't paying attention to him during the demon selection scarboy didn't come back fair (laughs) okay No, no fair i i understand that it when i was watching the anime it took me a minute to be like wait a minute that's the same kid isn't it (laughs) i of the mindset that anyone who was one of the four people to survive the trial might come back considering we have so many characters to remember so far in yeah and like we do uh again with my foreknowledge from the anime we do see all of the four people who came back show up again at some point zappy boy good old zenitsu being the uh most prominent one because we only we, we see him for like a panel and a half is the other thing in both of his appearances and then in the author notes, the crow berates him for being a wimp. Well, yeah, this this draws us to the end of our reading. Uh, getting into a little bit of extra discussion, we have to ask the classic question. Uh, our favorite superlative, what was your favorite character? Uh, mine is a real toss-up. If I'm going with just what we read, it's Tanjiro all day, every day. With my entire knowledge of Demon Slayer, he's tied with Giyu because I, I just really like Giyu. <laughs> But, you know, just off of what we've read, it's Tanjiro all day, every day. He is a breath of fresh air as a shonen protagonist. Like, like Deku is an incredibly sincere and good hearted person and all that. I feel like Tanjiro is the next step forward. He is the next evolution of these soft boy shonen protags. <laughs> T- Tanjiro is more being wholesome as his character. Deku is a typical shonen protagonist who is also wholesome on top of it because he's still got like the very self-centered, like nervously taking notes kind of. He's got like that air of shonen protagonist that Tanjiro just doesn't have. The thing is, Deku wants to be strong and fight strong opponents to prove himself. That's not that's not something that makes Deku any less of a great character, but it's very, very shonen. And that's not a wholesome instinct to want to fight strong opponents and get stronger. You know, whereas Tanjiro, he doesn't want to fight anybody. He will wreck your shit if you're if you threaten someone. But he doesn't want to fight anybody. Can I just say, I know we're not supposed to date the episodes, but we recorded this in 2020. Y'all in 2020, (laughs) you know how bleak the world is and <laughs> how just black and white everyone seems to be in terms of like morality and whatnot it is so see a character who can be a good person 
and strong at the same time, who can bring those two seemingly dichotomous things together and prove that you can be powerful and you not be an asshole about it. The world would benefit from more Tanjiro. And that, that is why he is my favorite. Uh, he is just such a beautiful ray of sunshine of a character. Uh, for me, the uh, dead, everything, everything Sam just said. So yeah, um, we have we have Jake's answer. Uh, Matt, how about you? Unfortunately, with what we read, we don't have a lot of options. True. <laughs> we, it, we, really, we really follow Tanjiro and Nezuko. Um, if I wanted to be contrarian and pick a side character, I probably could. Even... Actually, um, which shows how much I love this Muzan. character because I can't remember his name. <laughs> Muzan, I really love his design and I love like his aspect of being super strong, but also a coward because normally you get the vague idea that that's hinted at later as a joke with strong characters. It's forefront. And the fact that he's a coward does yeah. not make you any less scared of him. In fact, if anything, that makes you more scared of him because he's going to be overly cautious about things over like the slightest slight like there is yeah. there is no mercy there is no forgiving this one trespass this is this was a danger to me at any point it will be eradicated and i just love his design and he looks really really cool um it is such a unique design mm -hmm. for a villain it's a yeah it, it's yeah. it's really good um i guess favorite wise i gotta go with team nezuko i think tanjiro Tanjiro is really good. He's a good, wholesome boy. I think that sometimes that leads him to be a little too predictable with what his response is going to be, which is fine because he's a main character and that allows side characters to shine with differences to that. And I like Nezuko balancing like the ferocious beast inside of her, like when she fights and she uses her claws and like rips things apart and transforms like more and more bestial and then realizes, wait, no, that's not who I am and takes it back and has to make that conscious effort. I just think that's a lot cooler. And I, I mm -hmm. really enjoy Nezuko, um, especially in what we've seen from her so far. Um, that's why it hurt me so much when they were just like, ah, yes, she sleeps all the time. Like <laughs> it gives me the vibe that they might do something stupid with her. Yeah. And that gives me forewarning about something I really enjoy. Yeah, um, if we could step away from the realm of manga for a quick second, uh, if you really like Nesuko for those purposes, Matt, I uh, wholeheartedly recommend the novel uh, The Tiger's Daughter by uh, Keanu Rivera. Super good. Uh, it has a Nezuko style character in that regard, you know, taming, uh, taming and wrangling with the beast within. And also tons of Yuri. So, yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, uh, I'm going to start simping for one of the characters if we don't go. Jay, favorite character, go. Wholeheartedly, Netsuko. She's my favorite. And, yeah. Uh, favorite fight. Because, mm. you know, this is a sh this is a shonen battle anime. Um, you know, for how simple it is. Uh, I really enjoy the fight against the bog demon because it does so much good setup for how this for what we can expect going forward. It It is an expect the unexpected kind of fight because they say, you know, blood demon arts can have some crazy, unpredictable supernatural factor. But when you have a thing that broad, 
you it's hard to come up with a specific but then it's like okay this demon has three bodies and an extra dimension that he can pop out of that's a that's a concrete thing it's weird it's crazy it's scary but it is a concrete thing and then tanjiro still deals with it by being creative with his sword techniques i think it is an exemplary uh an exemplary um instance of the way that the battle system in this manga works um for me favorite fight this was a sort of interesting one because at first i didn't really have a favorite fight not because they weren't good but because there wasn't really a standout fight in my mind at first and it's like this is early in the story we haven't seen the limits get pushed yet so to say I was sort of almost waffling and saying, like, I'll just say all of fights in the favorite fight because I can't pick just one. Because I kept thinking about, like, the sword art techniques and all the different ways that those could be used and all the creativeness and um, how clever it is. But then I realized there was a fight that sort of kept popping up in the back of my mind. And that's the very, very first one where Tanjiro sets up someone who is so much better in a fight than him, and it almost works. The The trick with the axe is just so clever. I really appreciated that, and that's like the one fight that stands out, because it's like, you got the anime powers for all the other ones, and they're all awesome in their own right, but the one that was just the most clever to me, and like the best like choreographed and set up if i if i had to give a second favorite, if i had a runoff vote, it would absolutely be the fight against Giyu. <laughs> Because it was the thing that made me go, ah! uh, Jay, Jay, what was your favorite fight in our reading today? Oh, in our reading today, I would have to go with the, uh, I have, I have other favorite fights. Um, but, um, I, I, I know you've seen the entire anime, so I think I can guess what your actual favorite fight is, <laughs> but just for the reading episode 19, <laughs> um, I would have to go with the bog demon. No. Take that back. No. I would have to go with the um, arrow demon. Mm. Also a very good choice. Um, why? Well, mostly just because the mannerisms were just, it tickled me and I laughed to half of it. And it was just so funny. Yeah. That yeah. Demon it is was a bit of gruesomeness, but also hilarity. <laughs> it was a nice balance. Like Tanjiro is in real danger throughout that fight. But unfortunately, the arrow demon doesn't really display that because of how like crazy he is you don't understand you got him dirty yeah yeah he's complaining about dirt on his on his outfit it's like you bastard how dare you yeah yeah i also love that one because um it it, i i'm just a huge sucker (laughs) for anything that's water-based so naturally i love tanjiro for his water breathing style so um my favorite fight in demon slayer i think i'm gonna go with the uh arrow demon versus tanjiro fight because it just uh, exemplifies the fact that we get this entire thing going throughout is that um, demons are inherently stronger than even like the strongest, like Demon Slayer. Like a demon is better than a human, just strength-wise, they're immortal. It is only through like technique and trickery that you can like actually get ahead. And we get full on display. The breathing techniques are very structured. You have a certain number of moves. It's very rigid and you have to work with the tools you have. Meanwhile, demon arts, demon blood arts are nebulous. They're kind of 
doing whatever is possible and they're like just straight up power and we get that conflict of he can do whatever he wants with these arrows they redirect whatever there's not a lot of logic to it it's tanjiro having to go i have a technique to redirect this and use it in just the way or if i'm not constantly on top of my game i am going to die and i think that fight is just perfectly on brand with what i love about demon slayer is that humans are fragile because so many times you get a shonen battle anime where humans are just super strong. It's the thing that JoJo's parodies where the characters get hideously mangled every episode and then are totally fine. Yeah, or like one. Dragon Ball is a good example because Goku can just t- shatters an axe on his head. Like there's no consistency to this where in Demon Slayer, you know, a human is going to die if they get stabbed. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're not magic. And I, I really yeah. appreciate the Arrow Demon versus Tanjiro because it exemplifies that. All right. That excellent point. <laughs> I have no, I have nothing to add there. All right. We were going to talk about the total concentration breathing, but I think we got actually a lot of that in the body of the episode itself. And also yeah. the things that would have brought up the most questions we didn't get to yet. So Stay tuned for part two when we uh, have Zappy Boy Boogaloo. And then the questions <laughs> just multiply. Yeah, it, uh, I have said it several times now, but I can't wait for us to get to the Natakumo Mountain arc. And I know that the uh, the famous episode 19 has the part where Matt's the most like, wait, is this a metaphor? It's all a metaphor. I don't understand. Any- it's all a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the entire time. This is a nightmare she's having back in her hut. She's wondering why Tanjiro's at home. Oh no. The old man murdered him. <laughs> and 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 then it and then it turns out that everyone was actually yep. tomatoes all along. I'd watch that ending. I was going to say Orange Fanta. I've not I've not actually seen Evangelion. I hope I hope at least somebody gets that reference. DM us on Twitter. <laughs> Anyway, I think the uh, question of would you continue reading is pretty obvious for all of us at this point. I have to kill time between actually seeing the movie release. So I had to physically restrain myself from continuing because I'm like, I know the manga is further ahead than the anime. I can get my answers. (laughs) (laughs) The manga's done. Yeah. Yeah, the manga's done. Which, like, holy crap, a shonen being done. And, like, 100 chapters it's uh-huh it's fairly reasonable yeah it it's as we are as we are approaching chapter 1000 of one piece demon slayer's done that's that that's that demon slayer quick pace well in all, in all, the big thing is tanjiro has yeah. a very concrete goal and he doesn't really care about anything beyond that yeah, that's actually I, I think it was I think it was the um, Jeff Thu of the Mother's Basement YouTube channel who mentioned that in a lot of cases, Shonen anime will intentionally have extremely vague goals. What is one piece? You can constantly move that goal slightly further ahead in the future and continue the series ad infinitum. I mean, uh, one piece is clearly defined, Jacob. If you knew anything. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, like you could always move one piece, you know, to it's the next island over. Really, it'll be there next time. Well, no, Jacob, um, if you'd known anything, you'd know that one piece is located on the island of Raftail. Uh, we're, not, we're, not, we're not talking about Laugh Tale today, Matt. His goal isn't even really Muzon. Muzon is just 
the means to an end. The instant Nezuko is human again, the series is done. I, I personally appreciate a concrete goal like that. Things should be bounded, especially in a nebulous time has no meaning hell year like 2020. Things should be bounded by this. <laughs> People say all the time they complain about endings or they want things to go on to forever. An ending that is final and completes things is always going to be better in the long run. Remember, a thing is not beautiful because it lasts eternal. A thing is beautiful because it had happened. We're getting too existential. Uh, tune in next time to the OverMonkeyCast. Make sure to subscribe to us and follow us on Twitter at OverMonkeyCast for all of our posts. And next time, we are staying in the realm of Shonen for Fire Force! Chapter 1 through 20. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.